What's up, listeners? No, nope, that was terrible. I hate that. What's up, what? listeners? Welcome to Predator vs. <laughs> Movies. I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And this is a podcast where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We're going to start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deep discussion of the film. And then we're going to ask the most important question. Would this movie be better if the alien from Predator was in it? This week, we're going to be reviewing Babylon. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to do a little bit of news. So last week, we did... It was last week, right? We did a 2022 movie that draft. Was that was and last week. Guys, the results are in. Uh, in... In absolute dead last was me. Not a oh, really? single person voted for me. Uh, I'm very sad. I, still... I will say, before you reveal it, I actually regret more than one of my choices. <laughs> like, <laughs> looking back, I was like, oh, I don't know. Should we, maybe we should review um, the sure, what we what did. You, so I'll go over mine. So mine where I chose Nope for Blockbuster. Uh, the Batman for action, Barbarian for horror, Holy Spider for international. I think that one hurt me, hurt like mm. points wise. Like no one knows Holy Spider. Right. Uh, Tar for drama, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies for comedy. That and, I think yeah, I think that's yeah, why. People. <laughs> yeah, no, people like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It people was like, not. I, I don't know, man. I, I think that. I don't. I. I would. It's a little it's, too subjective. The, the I don't. In that I one. don't think that people liked Triangle of Sadness much more than that. Much really? More I don't I think, think so. I think that's accurate. Um, and then after Yang was my wild card, uh, and so apparently that was a pretty good list like, to be honest. I know, and yeah. but <laughs> apparently that didn't work for other people. Um, I think I like to think mine was pretty even keeled, uh, despite not having like super standouts. But anyways. Um, next in the list, uh, not in the ranking, I'll save the ranking for last. Um, Aiden had Avatar The Way of Water for Blockbuster, RRR for Action, Pearl for Horror, Decision to Leave for International, After Sun for Drama, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery for Comedy, and Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths for Wildcard. What are your okay. regrets, Aiden? Oh, Glass Onion's actually the only regret. I wouldn't have put Glass Onion, actually. Um, really? What would you have picked hindsight. instead? I would have put like Banshees or something, especially if I was trying to get people's votes. I would have put like oh. Banshees for comedy, though. Like, like uh, that's the other thing is, um, I think Banshees is funny. Banshees is really funny. Sure. Um, or I, I'll just, oh no, I would have put the menu. I was thinking that I would have put the oh, menu over for comedy. comedy? Yeah, definitely. I, 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 yeah. Oh you would my have God. lost votes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, lost votes for those choices. No, I, I know, I know that I would have lost votes. But if I'm being, a, if it's a more honest list, I would have okay. put the menu. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I can't agree with that, but okay. Um, yeah, I was going to say that, that funny. I, was, I was gonna say that it was interesting because I think, did, didn't Banshees win the Golden Globes for Best Comedy? Did it? I'm pretty sure. Golden. It is, it is a comedy. Like, it's not a straight comedy, but it's clearly, that's clearly within yeah. the fabric of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Best Picture... I'm just checking what the other one was. Three wins. It's going to take me too long. Eight nominations, oh, three yeah, wins. Like uh... Okay, I got it. So, yeah. So, uh, Banshees won Best Comedy or Musical, which is funny that, like, and people have been noting this, like, a lot of people cry during that movie, and so it's funny that that movie won Best <laughs> like, Comedy. <laughs> And then, meanwhile, the Fablemans won Best Drama, which could have been like a comedy as well. That was um, pretty funny, yeah. 
Also, I'm pretty sure Elvis was under best drama, which is strange, given it's... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a musical, movie. to be fair. I would not call that movie a musical. He not just, like, really. there are just scenes in which he performs. It's blurring the line, for sure, just based yeah. on that definition. Anyways, um, back to the recap. Uh, Peter picked Black Panther Wakanda Forever for blockbuster. Top Gun Maverick for action. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio for uh, family film, because he's a person who doesn't like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be nice about it. Um, uh, Banshees of Inisharan for international. Everything Everywhere All at Once for drama. Triangle of Sadness for comedy. And 3,000 Years of Longing for wild card. Um, Who do you guys think should win? Based off that, and based on my knowledge of Twitter, I actually think I won. Not saying I had the best list. I think I won based off of that. But we'll see. Peter, who do you think won? I have no idea. I was going to say you, because you actually have some really strong choices. Thank you. Okay. Man, I need to be validated for my opinion. Uh, Well, I didn't vote. Hey, I didn't vote. So... Aiden didn't vote either, right? I can vote for you. (laughs) I think think all of us abstained, hopefully. Right, Aiden? (laughs) Did you abstain? No! not? Did you vote? Because then that's cheating. <laughs> no, I didn't vote. I didn't vote. Okay. Anyways, we have... Um, Bro, the laugh says otherwise. Uh, <laughs> we, have, we have a comment from a recurring guest about who he thinks should oh, win. Yeah. And I'd like to read these out before we go. Sure. So this is from Ryan, who uh, get, uh, guested back-to-back for The Menu and something else. I don't remember. No. Was Bones. it the menu? It was Bones. Bones and all, and maybe it was the menu. No, the menu was, the was menu. Sasha. It was Bones oh. and all, and the next thing. Whatever we did. Out. Oh, right. Fablements. Yeah, it was Bones, Bones and Oh, Fable. the Fable guys. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. The Fable so this guys. What, this is what he had to say. This is what Ryan had to say. He said, oh, first I'll read what he said to Peter. So he sent this to Peter, and Peter sent it to us. So he said, Peter, my friend, you are the based god. You've got... <laughs> You got my vote on the draft, even though I don't have Twitter. That second part wasn't funny. I should have said the only thing. But anyways, I liked better what he said to me, which was the fact that he, referring to Peter, the fact that Peter has Black Panther and 3,000 years of longing and still killed it, dude is an enigma. <laughs> <laughs> I think that tracks because the, the, he has some pretty shitty <laughs> options in there, but there's some other good ones. You got some good grabs in there. Yeah. Um, so let's announce it. Let's see who won. Uh, coming in in a tight first place with a difference of one vote as of right now. Aiden. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, Aiden won by one vote. It's three to two to zero. Um, so congratulations. Let's I, go. If I had to vote for a, a different person other than myself, I think I might have to give it to Aiden just because he's got my two favorites. Or two from my top three, I think. And Peter has enough L's in there that I'm like, no, I I couldn't. (laughs) Anyways, that's enough of that. Uh, We also noticed something interesting from our um, analytics for our podcast. We've got uh, a new top most listened to, most downloaded episode on, uh, not on YouTube. I don't know what the YouTube says, but just for the podcast generally. So I'm going to make you guys guess. Which of our 20-something episodes has made it to the top? So, because of the way you've been presenting this, I'm going to guess, like, the menu. Because just, like, something that you would never think that that's the case. So that's my guess. 
Peter, what's your guess? It's probably another Marvel one. Oh, actually, it would it be Glass Onion? Because it's just, you know, it's free. Everyone can watch it type of thing. Well, Netflix. Okay. Yeah, basically. Both of you are wrong. Oh. Um, I'll give you the top ones under it. And I'll give you, I'll let you have another guess. Wait, so, why, why don't you tell us three episodes and we will pick one? No. Give us three so, choices and we'll pick one. So in second place is our first episode, Thor Love and Thunder. Oh my it was, God. It's at 70, 72 downloads and it was the reigning champ. And out yeah. of nowhere, out of nowhere, this one surpassed it. Um, at number third place is our third episode, Nope, uh, okay. at 71. In fourth place, Black Panther Wakanda Forever at 59. Yeah. And in fifth place, kind of surprising, Bones and All oh, at yeah. 55. Uh, and then some other ones as it goes along. But anyways, guys, our most downloaded episode is Triangle of Sadness. Really? It's a good <laughs> movie. It's a good movie. What can I say? I'm just surprised that that's the one. And that the it's public has spoken. Sure. I mean, that's maybe that's the one people most want, like, information on, perhaps. Sure. I I, maybe it was a fairly polarizing one, I guess. So maybe, like, people came to have their opinion validated in either way, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. People, yeah. people coming for the drama. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Anyways, that was fun. Um, now into, like, actual news. So on the Golden Globes <laughs> red carpet, this is news, guys. Um <laughs> Andrew Garfield reunited with, uh, isn't it GQ reporter Am- Amelia DeMoldenberg? Well, I think she just like does her own thing and then sometimes does reporting for various... The microphone said GQ or something oh. similar. But um, yeah. I've watched that video like 10 times. It's, <laughs> it's, maybe not 10. I'm exaggerating. But like I'm obsessed with that video and the first one too from, I don't know what it was, but like a month ago. Have you guys seen this video? First one was genuinely better, I thought. The first meeting. No, I love I love how Andrew comes up and he's like, you look like a capybara. And, <laughs> and he does like the eye thing. He's like, mm-hmm, shifty eyes, capybara. And that's already a strange reference. Like, I don't know why that looks like a capybara. <laughs> yeah, that's um, so niche. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then he goes, I only want to see you. And he pauses like he it's not, way too soon. He's not finished the sentence, and she's like, "What?" And like I'm doing the British accent. I only want to see you. What? And he's like, "No, no, 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 no! I only want to see you here in these kinds of situations." And man, I'm just obsessed. It's cute. Yeah, um, I, I liked it, but I didn't feel that strongly about it. That's okay. It's for me and me. Andrew's so sweet, man. I, I'm actually more interested in Amelia. Just the way, like, she handles those situations are yeah. so funny to me. My Actually, my favorite part of that interview was when she was trying to ask him the serious question. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. he couldn't take it seriously. That's the best part of it to me. Yeah. Um, and there's also the one... There was another clip from one of those chicken shop dates, I think, with uh, yeah. Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, and yeah. she goes... Oh, no, I think it's... Does she ask him what's... No, it's like, type? what's your type? What's your type? Who goes first? Who goes first? I think it's Daniel. Daniel answering, and then he's like, what's yours? He's like, definitely actor. And then, oh, I'll let you do the bit. Okay, okay. So I think she asks him what's his type, and he says something. And then he asks her about her type, and she goes, actors. And he goes, oh, yeah? And then she says, 
like good ones and he's like okay oh yeah and then she's like from whatever town he's Camden, from and he's like Camden, Camden. Camden. and he's like oh of course you know that and then she's like and he's like oh okay and then she goes yeah but not you though (laughs) fully lands the joke Uh, she's great um francis ford coppola's production of bro that transition man that's wild (laughs) my dog in these segues um, of megalopolis is in production hell uh and i i have to just say it wouldn't be a coppola feature if it wasn't so apparently he's fired the entire visual effects team and the production designer and art director then resigned. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting Apocalypse Now too. Yeah, and famously. With luck, there will be yet another documentary made about the production of this movie. I hope so, yeah. Famously, um, Apocalypse Now had a very rough production. Um, it took like years and it like the, the budget kept going up. And yeah. that's also the case with this one. The budget is increasing. Wow. It's exciting. I yeah, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, in other director news, Michael <laughs> yeah. Bay killed a pigeon. <laughs> 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 Those are the two <laughs> engines. <laughs> I don't, know why, I don't know why I think that's so funny. When I saw that, it was like Michael Bay in charge with killing a pigeon in, twi- in Italy in 2018. I think that's so funny. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't find it that funny, but like, um, it is definitely like a bizarre, uh, I don't know, just piece of news. Yeah. I just keep thinking like, how did he like kick it? Or did he like blow it oh up? My God. He must have blown it up. That's where right? your mind went to. It's Michael Bay. It has to be explosions <laughs> and stuff. So like, like no, he doesn't do things half assed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Actually. Yeah. Um, that actually, that's like a probable reason that he's trying to do a crazy drone trick yeah. and then went into like a pigeon's nest or whatever. <laughs> and then yeah, his response was like, "I'm an animal rights activist. I don't kill." things and whatever i don't know um and then now we've got our trailer park (laughs) (laughs) yeah my like voice cracked while doing that yeah let's let's start with the more polarizing trailer ant-man and the wasp ant-man and the wasp quantum mania the never-ending title uh got a new trailer um and there's some varying opinions so uh-huh. I want to hear first from the positive side, the positive camp. So Peter, what did you think of this movie trailer? Okay, dude, I got to be real with you. When this movie first got announced, I was like, okay, another Ant-Man movie. First one was okay. Second one was okay. Third one probably will be okay. Not excited about it whatsoever. Um, well, it's also competing with Guardians 3 and a bunch of other movies. So sort of got up buried underneath there but then after the first trailer i was like okay this might be good and then after this one i was like okay and now i'm excited um it's i think it's like the joy of like it's it's similar to avatar in the way that you're sort of exploring a new world in a sense and also i love i just love the sci-fi aesthetic they went with for for k so that's a double plus and also jonathan majors is amazing so yeah it's just uh checking off the 
the check boxes across the broad. So I'm I'm hyped. It looks it looks good. Across the what? <laughs> you said across the broad. <laughs> across the board. Across the board. Um, what excited you most from this trailer? What was the most exciting part? Well, okay, like a lot of people were like either complaining or like hyped that was his name more Mordock? Mordock. Modoc is in the movie and i'm honestly indifferent about it i'm like okay that's cool he's in here okay. i asked you what you're most excited oh, about. oh right right let me ask you the question i think i think it's just the fact that ant-man's never really been through like a huge like he's always been like the funny character and um like the fact that he has to go through a very traumatic character journey and the one opposite to him is Kang, um, is just very interesting. And like, it's something we've never seen before. And also I think it's, it will really showcase how, if Paul Rudd has a range or not. Cause I, I personally, I've only seen Paul Rudd in comedic movies. So I would love to see sort of his more emotional and a nuanced side, you know? So. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I am like, someone who kind of like enjoys the Ant-Man movies. I haven't seen uh, And the Wasp in a while. Um, but I liked And the Wasp. It was funny. Like I, wa- I rewatched one in the past year and, you know, I noticed a whole bunch of flaws, but it's entertaining. And Yeah, yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like the movie quality is okay, but like yeah. when you're watching it, you enjoy it, you know? I think, I think they're undervalued. And I think a lot of people are sure, like, yeah. well, it's not... It doesn't drive the greater MCU forward, so it's not important. So why should I watch it? And I think that's a silly way to look at a, a movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but I yeah. I, um, what else did you say? Oh, the Mo- Modok looks terrible. Modok's Modok looks like the Spy Kids three um, thing, which uh, segues and girl. End that yes segues nicely into uh, Aiden. What did you think of this trailer? Yeah, I think it looks like ass. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I think it looks terrible. I'm pulling up the tweet that I that I sent out. I said I quote tweeted the trailer and said, "Yep, this still looks bad." Um, and I think that I was I was right there. I think this looks bad. I think the art. I said this on the other trailer. Like, the art looks conceptually bad to me. Like, it looks like it's going to be a visual like puke to watch. Like nothing nothing I've seen visually has excited me. And I feel like it's going to be like Doctor Strange 1 and that it's relying on you being like, that's so cool. Except it wasn't cool in Doctor Strange because Inception did literally all those things like five years earlier. But, um, <laughs> and I think this is going to be the same thing where it's like, this isn't cool. Like, I don't give a fuck. And I actually, I like the first two Ant-Mans, but like, this looks bad. Like, I just can't, I can't be asked to care about this. I don't think this is going to be a good movie. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to like, kind of like half agree with you here because <laughs> doctor strange i think is not perfect either like I, I i understand the criticisms but i think visually it's at least a full step up above this above oh sure oh definitely i'm just saying okay, like good. i think that um i think that like i was so surprised when people like reacted how they did to doctor strange when it's like they literally did the same thing from inception like yeah and i was like i was like why i don't care like i don't know sure yeah that's yeah um yeah i'd say that my biggest issue with this trailer is the fact that 
particular no i think it's everything like who directed this like i know it's yeah. peyton reed but like it looks like it's directed by a computer or someone yeah. who doesn't know what they're doing because yes. like none of the shots i w while we started talking about this i i cast my mind back to what would that have been 2017 or 2018 watching that first teaser for infinity war do you mm. guys remember that and how no. like every shot was like super weighty and like oh wow like this means something oh yeah yeah like the russo brothers know what they're doing in this genre yeah they know how to direct completely computer generated images and i just find that almost every shot in the ant-man trailer there's a couple good ones i think but a lot of them just look like why did you place the camera here yeah, with they the just look like and... coverage like they're in like yeah. a big green screen room and they're like okay well we need to like have the scene the lighting isn't interesting yeah. like it's um i think the most egregious shot for me is how like like there's like i, I love the moment where kang and ant-man are like grappling like they're out of creed three <laughs> um <laughs> it's a crossover um but there's a shot i think probably at the end of the trailer where kang is just like meandering like strolling towards the camera and then goes Wah! and like fires <laughs> beams out of his hands and like not only is the character action like very strange that he does that kind of like wow everything but also like the shot is just so nothing like yeah. i i feel nothing there's no kind of like intention with sh camera placement or shot size i don't know it's yeah. just Thanos was imposing, and this looks like nothing. I don't know. I'm not. A, it's, yeah. Sorry. Sorry to be too much of a hater, Peter. I, did, I, I came in with like a little bit too much of a hateful energy there. I don't want to. Dude, like I don't watch movie trailers that closely. I just watch it for it's like, oh, cool picture. Ooh, cool character. They're not I mean, yeah, that's the thing. They're not cool pictures. <laughs> like, I mean, like, yeah. you, like, dude, again, I'm not a film student. I don't watch movies like you guys do. So, sure. you know, I'm giving you guys the casual take. Okay. You guys give me the professional take. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the only other thing to say is that it looks like it's shaping up to be, um, like, like Kang is making Ant-Man do something for him. I think it's a heist film, which is great because that's what Ant-Man movies should be. Um, and the motivation for him working for Kang is he'll get time back with Cassie. That's the, the time he lost during the end game gap. And I think that's fantastic. That's, that's a really neat idea. Um, and I, I am excited to see where Kang goes. I started reading, um, a Kang comic and I was like, yeah, this is a really interesting character. And I, I really hope they don't fuck this up. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's. That's uh, one of two trailers. The other trailer that released was uh, one that in hypothetically should have hated. Yeah. Uh, Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid, uh, previously titled Disappointment Boulevard, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, and Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, Aiden, I want to hear from you first on this one. What did you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. I probably have sprinkled it in here and there, but I'm very much not a fan of either Hereditary or Midsummer. Um, and I think that they're very similar movies and I have very similar problems with both of them. Um, and so I'm actually pretty glad that this looks like it's different. Uh, like it looks like it's something that is taken in a different direction. It doesn't look like it's, we're doing like the, 
yeah, you know, I don't like like modern horror movies because it's just all jump scares. Like I prefer like a slow burn psychological kind of horror and like that kind of attitude. That attitude, I hate that attitude so much. And I feel like he's not playing into that with this one. Um, And yeah, I think this one looks a lot more interesting. I think it... uh, it looks like there's more more uh, stuff going on. I hope that it's focused. Like I hope that like big of my problems with one of my big problems with Hereditary and Midsummer is that it's just like stuff happens and then we're at the end and it's like what is the craziest thing we can do and there isn't a good reason for this to happen other than it's kind of crazy. Um, and yeah, I hope that it's not that in this one. It does look like a lot because there's yeah. as I mentioned, Joaquin Phoenix is playing himself at. I think four different ages of his life, um, child, somewhere around his own age, maybe a little younger, um, somewhere a little older, and then very old. Um, I I really don't know what this is about because there seems to be like, like n- not an apocalypse, but like there's a scene where like people are like fighting and stuff in the streets and guns, and then he gets hit with a car, so it. Is it a dystopian future? Uh, I don't know. I find it very intriguing. I don't know what it's about, though. Um, I Is it a horror film? That's one thing, because I don't think so. It doesn't look scary at all. Um, just and see, that's it. that's kind of a good thing for me, because I don't really... Yeah. I don't love uh, Ariastra's track record with horror, to be honest with you. Okay, is so, it a so, drama slash horror? Okay. Uh, Wikipedia is more interesting. It says a surrealist comedy horror, so... Um, I definitely buy into that. Um, I don't think it'll, it doesn't look particularly scary at all. So, yeah. Um, I also love the trailer music. Do you guys know that song? Goodbye Stranger by Supertramp. I do Um, not. That song goes hard. I think it's also in, um, I, Tonya, the Robbie movie. Yeah. That's how I first heard that song. It's a great song. Um, anyways, I don't think I have anything else to say about this trailer. Uh, Peter, did you have anything to say? I like, I love movies that play with time. I think like I already commented, I think old concept wise, at least from what I can perceive from the trailer, um, is amazing. Like, I think I love films that play with time in a way to really, cause I feel like time is something that we can all relate to. Just like the whether it's for the passing of time or you know like um, sort of growing up and all these things that time is related to, and I love movies that play with time in a clever way. I think this movie is one of them, and I just love how like in the middle of the trailer you jump through so many different environments, and I'm very curious on how uh, Ari is gonna play with these environments and make Joaquin go through them, and also like to be honest the. Um, the de-aging is not terrible. I won't say it's good, but I don't think like it's bad in a way that, you know, you can tell it's like strange, not human looking. Like it doesn't look bad in my opinion. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Your, your obsession with time, you sound like a regular Christopher Nolan fan. <laughs> Anyways, we watched a movie uh, <laughs> called Babylon. We watched it. Some of us watched it some time ago. So this will be interesting. Aiden and I saw it in December almost sure almost a month ago maybe three yeah. weeks now uh and peter saw it yesterday so <laughs> that's that's kind of uh the difference of freshness here but um babylon is written and directed by damien chazelle it stars diego calva margot robbie brad pitt who i will remind everyone is 
has been least accused of being an abuser of his family. So yep. just keep that in mind. Uh, Gene Smart, uh, Jovan Adepo, and Lee Jun Lee. Uh, the DP is Linus Sand- Sandgren, uh, who did La La Land, First Man, No Time to Die, and Don't Look Up. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, music, <laughs> music is very obviously by Justin Hurwitz. Um, that, that's the same La La Land guy, right? It sure is. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Listening to yeah. it, like, literally some of the same... <laughs> Late motifs from La La Land yeah. are in this, and I was like, "Okay, you literally just <laughs> yeah, yeah." I, that was one of the notes I wrote multiple times where I was like, "Oh, La La Land." <laughs> yeah, but I, I will just say, like, I don't want to talk about this again because this is the as far as the point goes. But yeah, it works because it's a, yeah, it's set in the same, it's set in L.A., so like it's the lot, it's the L.A. late motif, and I think it was. Yeah. A, it's kind of smart. It works. Yeah, this idea of like dreams and like that, like dreams within the entertainment business and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it has a runtime of three hours and nine minutes, making it. I think it was the second. Oh, we did RRR beat it. How long is RRR? Runtime. Yeah, it does. It beats out um, RRR, I believe. Okay. Um, for it's so it's the second longest movie of the year, uh, just behind Avatar. Uh, it has a budget of seventy-eight to eighty million dollars. Um, and it earned 14 million at the box office, making it a box office bomb, unfortunately. Um, it was just under, uh, Bones and All, Bros and X all made around the same amount. And it just beat out, uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and Glass Onions theatrical run. (laughs) One week. Oh man. Um, Yeah. It's, let's talk about that a little bit. That's so unfortunate. That's really sad. Yeah, because I know, like, this is something people have said, like, a bunch of times, but it's, like, this might be, like, the last time a movie like this is, like, able to be made, like, of this scale with this much, like, huge and, like, practical stuff happening, akin to what they did in the early, like, 1900s in, in film, um, like, like the early sound, uh, silent era. But, and I, I think it's really sad to see that, like, like, those those first scenes when they're shooting the silent films, like... I don't think we're going to necessarily see that much stuff like that. And I think it's, uh, I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, definitely. I think just the fact that it's R rated and three hours really limits its audience because it's like, you know, it's a, it's a movie for people who love movies and that's not like a huge sell nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you make it R-rated, you know, that takes out a whole bunch of people um, on both ends of the age spectrum. And then three hours is just a hard ask. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just unfortunate. But, like, I, I wish that we didn't have to worry about, you know, this sort yeah. of thing. Like, I feel like these movies should be allowed to be made because I think, I think there's value in that. And I think having to limit it in one way or another by either reducing the runtime, reducing the budget or reducing the uh, rating. Like, I, I feel like that yeah. limits it and kind of like, like yeah. changing the artistic vision just to make sure that it appeals to a wide enough, just so that yeah. it can be a viable business product. And I, I, I yeah, don't... movies should be art, not business. Yeah. And I think yeah. the movie, the movie really, talks about the movie that. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Not, like not so much this movie, but I'm sure it it comes up. 
Um, but anyways, before we get into our movie, we got some other things to do. So there's a little game we could play called uh, Predacritic. Predacritic. Haven't done this in a while. Um, so there's there's an internet on the nope. There's a <laughs> there's an internet, <laughs> dude. So there's, there's this thing there. called the internet, and there's a website out there called Metacritic where critics' uh, scores of a movie are averaged out for a general score out of a hundred. Just critics, no general users. Uh, if it gets 60 or above, it's green. If it gets 80 or above, it's a must-see. If it's in the 50s, it's yellow. And if it's in the 40s or below, it's red. We are going to guess where Babylon lands. Uh, and I forgot to bring up the wheel. So sorry, Uh-oh. guys. Just going to add one more name. And we're off to the races. Here we go. Here we go. Ah, oh, just a sliver. Peter got it, so Peter okay. gets to go first. Okay, okay. Well, I, well, that's bad though. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I always forget first, what's yeah. worse. So yeah, um, fifty. Okay, fifty. Yeah, feels very low. I'm gonna go with probably higher, but I'm did you guys see the Rotten Tomato score of this movie? No, I know, I know, it wasn't I getting great care. reviews, but I yeah. don't think uh... that's. It means different things. Rotten mm. Tomatoes is if you liked the movie or not. Yeah. So like whatever sixty percent likes the movie. It's Dude, I don't want to do synopsis with this film. <laughs> Three hours. I actually don't think this should be fine. Maybe I'm just wrong, but I don't think a synopsis will be that hard for this. I don't know. Okay, I'm going next. Um, okay, fifty. Babylon. So I'm gonna go with. <laughs> I would put it personally, like in the seventies, but I my heart says sixties, uh-huh. so I'm gonna go with oh, that's the thing. Like I don't know if it's gonna go high sixties or low sixties. <laughs> I don't. I think people. I think critics were kind of mean about this movie unfairly. So I'm gonna go with. Six. I'll go with sixty-five. I'll just split it. Whatever. I don't care that much. Okay. Um, I agree that I would probably put this movie in a low eighties range. Honestly, if I was just giving it my yeah. own score. What but, the fuck? Um, you guys are crazy. <laughs> but I, uh, I agree that I don't think critics. I don't think it's higher than sixty-five. I'm gonna go like sixty-two, which I believe also makes me generally more safe for. <laughs> the but I'm I'm not just doing it for that. Uh, I genuinely think it'll be around there. So sixty-two. Well, well, well. Aiden, you were back on top. It got a 61. <laughs> you were right on the money. Peter, motherfucker, you lost. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't win. I still don't, don't win, but I don't lose either, which is just how I like it. Um, what do you guys think about that, 61? That is I guess very, it, very low. I think That's incredible. too low. Peter? A little low. <laughs> I already know. Peter's a bit of a Babylon. Not a hater, but not an appreciator, certainly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so Peter or Aiden as the winner, you get to decide who goes first. Let me guess. Yeah, I think I'll go first yeah. if I have to. If I have for, uh, sorry, let me explain for our non-spoiler reaction. So yes, Aiden, so no spoiler th- alarm yet. Yeah, great. Spoiler alarm. More more alerts for absences of things. Wait, no, it's not wait. happening right now. <laughs> 
sidebar, like, I listened to the first time I ever did it, and it's a completely different sound. The oh, first really? time I ever did it, and then the next time I just did a different sound, and that's been the one. <laughs> okay. Which I think is really like the funny. Pew sound? Yeah, that wasn't the original. No way. Was that's it? insane. I, it was more like a wee woo wee woo. Like it was an alarm. <laughs> oh, that's, a yeah, yeah. that's a siren, actually. But okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and what do you think of this movie? Okay, uh, I really, really liked this movie. I was I went into this knowing that it did not get great reviews, and I was sitting in this movie, and it wasn't until very long in where I was like... Very long in. Like, because for most of this movie, for a good chunk of this movie, I was sitting here and I was like, okay, when does this get bad? Like, when are the bad parts? Like, when, when am I supposed to start thinking, like, oh, this isn't a good movie? Um, and then it was towards, like the middle and towards the end where I had a general problem of, I thought that certain scenes were going on too long. Um, like I mm. thought, and it could have been a problem of, I'll, I won't spoil it, but it could have been a problem of that. There are certain contextual elements that being a film student, I was aware of. And so I didn't need it explained to me. And so once I mm. understood what was going on, I didn't need it to go on that long. Um, but I think that the directing is generally very, very strong. I think if anything, there is uh, a like a not not enough like killing your darlings kind of thing here for like an overall directorial vision. But if you just look at the directing scene to scene, I think it's great. I think performances are great. Like there are some great moments. I think if you look at any of the individual pieces of this film, uh, performances, cinematography, directing, uh, editing as well, I think it all is like pretty top tier, but I think it doesn't come together for the most spectacular final product. Um, I have some real problems with the very end. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I generally feel like there needed to be a little bit more going on to justify the runtime which is i know is contrary to what a lot of people thought but i yeah we'll i'll we'll get into that but yeah so i gave this movie four stars i'm pretty confident with that um and i i would recommend people to go see this i i genuinely think that even if you are just a general audience member not like a filmy film guy you might get a lot out of this movie um i really really enjoyed it I would at the very least go to make your mind up over are the critics right or not. I think it's worth it. I don't think you're going to be like, oh, I wasted three hours of my life. Uh, so, yeah, that's my review. Yeah, I I pretty well agree with you. Um, so then I'll I'll go next. Sure. Because I, I always go last, so let's spice things up. Sure. Um, and then we'll hear from Peter's controversial take. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think the arguments that it's a lot are definitely true um this is damien chazelle's first ensemble movie mm -hmm. and i think he has a way to go a ways to go for like nailing that um i particularly found it like like i didn't know who i was supposed to be following i think the answer is manny but it's not entirely clear and we're following the issue is we're just following a lot of characters and large periods of time are spent without them. And then we were like, Oh, right. This person, someone we're sure. supposed to be following. And then just kind of like the arcs are kind of hard to see um, like the forest for the trees kind of thing. Um, I think the, 
there's a bit of a rough start, which we'll get into, uh, where I was like, maybe I won't like this. Uh, but then once it gets into like later in the first act and definitely the second act, I was 100% on board. Uh, and so, which is why I was so surprised that people didn't like this because I was just having a great time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think the movie shines when it's depicting the filmmaking process. There's some really great scenes uh, where it's just like a lot of chaotic energy going on and I just had a blast watching them. Um, what else can I say? Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie and I think it gets too much hate than it deserves. Um, is it messy? Yes. I feel like, I feel like, um, Chazelle was just kind of given like carte blanche, like free range to do whatever he wanted. Mm. And then this is what we've got. Uh, and like a big budget to do it too. So like, no wonder it's so crazy and chaotic, but I love sure. it for that flaws and all. Um, and I would a hundred percent watch this again. So I, I give it a four. Um, like maybe I could give it a 4.5 if I watched it again, but eh, I, I don't see the need to right now. Uh, and yeah, I would recommend people go see this because uh, it needs the money. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't think I could get enough people to watch this to make back that insane no. budget. But um, yeah, that's what I thought. Peter, what did you think about Babylon? Now, okay, you guys got to stop pushing the narrative that I hated the film. I did not <laughs> hate the film. I just sorry. I do not hate the film. I liked it when I watched it, uh, but it's it's disappointing coming out of Chazelle because uh, I expect really high quality stuff from him. Um, uh, I've only seen Whiplash and uh, La La Land. I have not seen First Men, but both of these films are incredibly character centric. Uh, delivers a gripping story that makes you empathize with the character. Um, you know, it, it, he makes you invest in the character quite a bit. But in this movie, it's so scattered in the way that I, like like Alex, like you said, like we see character for a bit, then he doesn't show up for a very long time because we're now switching to a different pair of characters. And then by the time it's back, significant time has passed or story progression has already happened. And we're just supposed to feel the impact of that. And that doesn't work for me. Uh, Wait, so, can I interject? You guys have both said that. Who are you talking about when you say that a character left and wasn't there for a long time? Like, there's just like long sequences that are focusing on one character, sure. and then we jump back, and it's like, oh right. So like the one that I keep thinking about is um. We don't see Manny for quite a bit. Yeah, in the middle. In, in the yeah. middle. Okay. There's that one scene with the transition to sound with yeah. Margot Robbie, yeah. and he's like just like gone for a long time, and then it's like, oh right, he's yeah. a. Is he like the main character of the ensemble, right? Yeah. Like it's, um, it's okay. a lot. We yeah, get more into that too. Cause like, cause like, I feel like, especially with Chazelle's portfolio, um, in La La Land, I rooted for Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. In Whiplash, we cared for uh, Miles Teller, and we, you know, we sort of, I don't know, love hate relationship with J uh, J K Simmons, like, um. But, like, in this one, I didn't feel much for the character. But uh, one thing I would say, though, despite that, Chazelle somehow still managed to, like, the individual scenes that we spend with the characters, like, you feel, like, especially I'm thinking uh, there's this one scene with Brad Pitt's character um, where he does something pretty dramatic. And, like, I felt for that, you know. Um, 
but like there's no through line that's i think like my major complaint and then the other one is the movie takes a while to get started like i feel like in the first uh like party sequence I, i'm trying to keep it vague because it's uh spoiler free um <laughs> I, I think party <laughs> sequence is a perfect way to describe that okay yeah so like like that sequence is just like so i'm i have no idea what i'm gonna expect from this movie i thought like i'll be watching like uh like a critique on hollywood like the, it's too glamorous or like how movie used to be made and like people getting mistreated but then like it turns out like it's a blend of comedy and also like a little bit drama tagged on top which i didn't expect but uh yeah it's it's a wild ride it's chaotic for sure uh i give it a three and a half out of five and uh i'd say if you're expecting a whiplash or a la la land out of this don't go but if you want to just (laughs) enjoy a movie about movies then yeah it's a it's a great film Okay, I mean, like, I I agree. La La Land and Whiplash are the best of his movies, but like, this was not a significant drop from those. I, uh, I agree with that. I, don't I think, think this I think like, it's a pretty significant drop for me. Like, I, the music is there, the the cinematography is there, but also the then the characters just completely lost in my opinion. Yeah, I I completely disagree though. with you on that. <laughs> like, you get I you guys have kind of both made points that I actually strongly disagree with. So, well, this will be fun. It's the thing is, Peter. It's not. Those are different types of movies. Whiplash is a one character movie with an antagonist. Mm-hmm. La La Land is. Well, I, I let think you e- can finish. La La Land is a romance, so the two leads are the protagonist slash anti- yes. antagonistic forces. So that's a two lead movie. First Man is a single lead movie, and then now you've got kind of like. I would say like three main characters yep. between Manny, um, Nelly, and I think Jack. it's Jack. Jack. And then uh, Sydney and um, uh, oh, I wrote her name down. Lady something. Lady Faye. Lady Faye is like those two are like kind of the supporting characters to round out the cast. So I think it's not entirely fair to be like. Yeah, sure, it's not but... as character centric as the character centric movies. Like, of course, of course it is. Of course, it's a different type of movie. But right? like, that doesn't excuse the movie because like there are ensemble films that do a very good job exploring individual characters, exploring their nuances, and uh, keeping you know a through line through the movie. What's so, an exact kid? Okay, what's an example of one that you can think of, Peter? Well, one one example I can think of is uh, Interstellar, for example. Of course, it's Nolan. Wait, what? I don't th- it's like Nolan, the character work guy. <laughs> well, I mean that one did a pretty good job, right? So you have Murph, then you have uh Coop, they have uh Anne Hathaway's character, then you have Coop's uh, and, and you have Coop's, character doesn't Coop's have that dad. much characterization. Yes, she just like loves this guy. That's like a good chunk of her character. That's like we don't we don't need we don't need to argue we don't need to argue we don't need I think I think I think he can do better, man. Like um, th- there are better films that are that have an ensemble and do a good job exploring the individual characters. Sure thing. Um, we have to do our synopsis before we. Uh, go yes. Peter, <laughs> oh my god! Two minutes to summarize a three-hour movie. Yeah. Um, just give me one moment. Let me think about what how I want to do this. 
Think about your life choices. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Start the timer. Count me Here down. Here we go. Three, two, one. Let's go. So movie opens with a party in a director's house. Uh, Nanny, our main character, meets Margot Robbie's Nelly. So, and they both want to be on movie sets. And because of the event of the night, uh, Manny ended up with the big star Jack Comrade. And uh, Nelly got a a contract to be on set and they both started exploring their career manny eventually rose to more of a studio producer position while nelly is starting to become a star uh, by herself so they both acquire success but nelly's gambling and drug problems started to eat into more and more of her life and she so her career started to go on a de- decline where manny uh explore started exploring the possibility of sound in uh, in movies which is a recent technology um so that uh got him to a studio exact position using um producing movies about jazz music it was a minute already um and then in the meanwhile jack who's a big actor in the silent film era started to to feel the impact of sound because he can't really um do dialogue very well so his career started going on decline and he uh, eventually, uh, agents who will pick up his call right away started dodging him, and eventually he committed suicide because his career just went downhill. And then um, Nelly owned this Toby Maguire's character a lot of money, so they uh, she went to Manny to let him help her to pay it off. If they used prop money to pay it off, and then and then they got caught, so they had to escape. Um, during the escape. Uh, Manny's friend, the, the the guy on set, got shot, and um, so and, and as he was escaping, he was supposed to go with Nelly to the Mexican border, but then Nelly just ran away by herself, and then eventually she died. And um, she didn't. Well, she oh, well, died. She did. She did. <laughs> she okay. did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the movie the movie ends with Manny's family visiting his old studio. Uh, Manny now owns a radio shop in New York, and uh, ended with it ends with uh, Manny watching a movie and crying, reminiscing about movies, and we see a montage of movies evolution, including Avatar, uh, and yeah, the movie ends on that. Yeah, was that um, was that good? You did an okay job, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, there's kind of like a, a romance element between. Oh yes, yes, Manny I totally and Nelly. Forgot, yeah. Um, so Manny's like infatuated by her. She goes the star route and he goes, you did mention this, but it's fascinating. Um, he is like the behind the scenes kind of guy. Yeah. And at some point he kind of like, not, is not in control of her, but like he's in charge of like her image and he's, yeah. he has to help her out. So he tries to make her... Um, like appeal to the um it's it's hollywood during this period um the movie starts late 20s and continues into the early 30s so there's a it's a period of not only the transition to sound but also uh like purity and um like religious groups are becoming a very big thing and what is the word i'm looking for aiden um the i can't think of Sorry, I was I was looking at the Wikipedia. The Hays, the, like the Hayes Code, the Hayes Code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's Hays it code. called? Um, uh, what are you looking? I don't when know. the the Hayes Code did what? 
it's like censored censoring thank you yeah, okay. so so hollywood is like self-censoring and yeah. kind of like what behavior is allowed is changing during this period so manny is like you know the people well your personality was accepted before now you have to be like proper and like a quote-unquote lady um and she rebels against that goes back into her habits kind of double down on that and um yeah. yeah like everybody dies or leaves basically um sydney and lady lady Faye leave um and diego as well and then uh the other the, actually that is interesting to note now and we can come back to this later but all of the characters of color leave and all the white characters die mm. Mm. um just yeah uh and did we miss anything uh no I, I mean i think like that's generally it yeah all right so we're gonna start our not or are we gonna our start spoiler our review. spoiler discussion the bit late again oh fuck uh, yeah i always miss it no chaos um Speaking of chaos, we're just going to do this kind of randomly today. We're trying new things. So first off, I'm going to ask you guys, what was your favorite part of this movie? Honestly, it might just be the uh, the, 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 the the part where they just started to get famous. So the tour of uh, Nelly's film set, which with like a bunch of other sets around, that one shot was fantastic. Uh, Brad Pitt. Don't keep listening to them. Don't keep listening to them. Just one can, can I get this too, please? No, I'll, 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 time. One, one more, one more, please. The Brad, Brad Pitt battle scene, the 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 battle between like bunch of extras. That's that's my two favorites. Okay, so the sequence you're referring to is those, yeah, those are like the same sequence to me. Yeah, there. it's it's okay. the the silent film sets out in the hills of Los Angeles, out in the yeah. I don't know what they call them, but like like the deserty area outside the city. Yeah. Um, which I is, think it's Bel Air, Los Angeles, or something. Maybe. Uh, sorry, Bel Air, California. It's just like chaos incarnate. Uh-huh. Um, there's some of my favorite parts of the movie are also in that uh, sequence, like like how Manny has to like go on the run <laughs> as a PA. Yeah. Like oh, I, that one, that one, yeah, 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 yeah that too. Well, yeah. There's two different. Yeah, I know what you were thinking about. Yeah. That's also great, but he has to like they they have to send him out to go get a camera camera hunt, which is yes. a PA thing. Like, yeah. like I haven't actually been a, a pa proper before but like i feel that and i've done similar things and i know that stress and i was like mm-hmm. like getting there and <laughs> and being like yeah did you need this one or this one and you're like i don't know <laughs> tell me this Thank god for the invention of cell phones but yeah. um that's just yeah it's a great moment and the the battle scene and like all the cameras breaking, the guy yeah. dying, the orchestra, yeah. the live orchestra. I also love the detail of like the director is like covered in dirt and he's like, ah, oh, we're making a movie. <laughs> like he's he's like in the thick of it. Dude, uh, I love that's like the my favorite director throughout the entire movie. It's him. The, I think he's he, Italian, right? He is or, a director in real life. That actor is a director. Oh, so that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's not just a director. I was gonna get to this later, but that's Spike Jones. That's oh fuck! Did, oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Did her, yeah. Joaquin was, Phoenix movie was, was married to Sofia Coppola. Um, he's good friends with the Jackass crew, so he was in their movies. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of them. 
I can't think of any other. He He's also made he made the music video for Arcade's Fire Arcade Fires the Suburbs. Wait, <laughs> wait. Yeah. It says Spike Jones died in 1965. How's he in this movie? No, it's not. It's not him. It's, oh, not, oh. it's not the right guy. He did Being John Malkovich. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did Where the Wild did, Things Are, too. He did, where he did the, Adaptation. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he's only yeah, yeah. he's actually only directed four movies. Okay. And we've listed all of them. Her, oh, that? Okay, okay. I spelled his name wrong. Adaptation, Being John Malkovich. He's written a bunch, too. Uh, like all the Jackass movies. <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally the only other stuff he's done. Um, and then stuff as a producer as well. But, uh, yeah, he's famous and he was the German guy. Also a very funny character. And so I, funny. Loved him. Yeah. Um, Peter was laughing at, um, it's the scene where their army of extras is actually just a bunch of junkies <laughs> from Skid Row. Yeah. So funny to me. <laughs> like, of course they would do that. Yeah. It's, like, it's super exploitative, make him work for a sandwich or something. But And then they start chasing him around because yeah. he's renegotiating. And it's, like, in the background of what yeah. they're talking about. So oh, yeah. my God. Guys, guys, when I was watching this, the theater was, like, mostly old people. Yeah. Like, a lot of old people. I would say, like, people north of 50. I think I saw, like, a two couples in their 20s or 30s but no one laughed at that scene i was like this is so funny like like i just started laughing that all i heard was my laugh like, okay guys funny. oh my god i was gonna say they were cool old people but clearly not if they're not laughing um also i also really like how that whole sequence culminates in like the perfect cinema moment yes. Yeah, the sunset. Yeah, yeah that, that was that was one the the kiss with the army in the background and the sunset. And at the same time, uh, you see um, Margot Robbie's character uh, doing the tears, and we yeah. keep like, mm-hmm. and it's so yeah. Good. I mean, yeah, like that's. I think that this movie is more of a proper like love letter to cinema than the Fablemans is. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And I, and I think that this is like. Like, that moment is, like, very real. That moment of, like, everything's going wrong, and it's like, fuck, we just need to get it, we're losing light, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, something insane, like, a butterfly lands on his shoulder, and then you just, like, and you're literally, like, (laughs) like, like, as you're shooting it, you, like, can't believe what you're recording. Like, that's such a, and that's, I I really liked that. I really, um, and I also thought that uh, the moment with Margot Robbie was a great character moment. I thought that that was like, I think her performance is amazing in this movie. And I think like when she does the single tier thing and then she like snaps out of it, like, yes, like what are we doing next? But you can still see like the remnants on her face. Like there's something that like haunts her. Like I, I, I loved that. I thought that was so good. And I was like very Mm -hmm. hooked on her character for the rest of the movie just from that scene. Well, like, for, for me personally, like, I really like to go behind the scenes and to see how things are made. And I feel like, <laughs> like, I mean, it's a rather comedic way. I'm more referring to the battle scene. Rather comedic way of exploring that. Like, uh, how um, Manny must, uh, you know, get the extras in order, um, has to fetch a camera last minute. Yeah. And also, uh, the, the live orchestra just just like i didn't know that we're in an era where sound is not being recorded i thought that's just how music was recorded in that in in that period of time then i realized that oh this is just for like them to get in the groove i guess but like i just love how like just having an entire orchestra outdoor into such like a 
I don't want to say like it's not like an environment that you expect an orchestra to be in. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and and you just see this full fledged orchestra playing music. I thought that was hilarious, but also like really a fascinating look at how cinema was done back then. And a guy literally getting killed because <laughs> someone drove a flagpole through his heart. Oh yeah, and and they're trying to come up with explanation, which is like more of a comedic moment, but also like shows you that like hey, like before like stunts and all that were a thing, people died for these things, you know, like that's that's yeah. wild. And I think that speaks to one of the things that I really really like about this movie overall is that it does a really good job of giving like a balanced sort of analysis of the different things it's exploring. So like nothing is like fully good and nothing is fully bad. Like, while it is, like, a love letter to cinema, it's talking a lot about, like, the exploitation and, like, ideas yeah. of, like, freedom and repression within mm-hmm. movies and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, poor treatment. I, I really like how this silent era, from a surface level, just because of the way the movie is structured, you might picture this as, like, oh, it's saying this is the best, like, this is the best time, and then when we moved to sound, it sucked. But the movie isn't really doing that. Like, it's giving no. a very balanced take on things. Absolutely. And I, I really appreciated that. Uh, and, I also and, want to mention quickly, sorry, uh, just that I thought the editing was superb in this scene as well. Like, the pacing of the editing really, really sold this. How, like, certain moments, like, you have a really long, drawn-out shot, and then you have very fast editing and things brought together. I thought the pacing of the editing was great. and sold Yeah, because, well. like, I felt like it almost took, like, some of the best parts of Fableman, which is about, like, how movies are made and just, like, put it together into a huge sequence. Uh, like, like um, and the other sequence that's really interesting that follows right after this is how, you know, uh, because it's silent era, people need to make the script, I guess, for the movie. Like, you've done the shots, now you actually need to write the dialogue, what they're saying, and also that is accompanied by uh, the, the the film actually being edited. I, I thought that was a really cool sequence as well, following right after this. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you, yeah. Um, I think I think the Fablemans and Babylon, I don't know that they'd be a good double feature, but I feel like the Fablemans is what comes first. Sure. You know, this is like the birth of a storyteller and a filmmaker from um, kind of like I hate using this word, but out of trauma, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, some, some people believe like filmmakers, like they have to be telling a story. Like there has to have something Personal has to have happened. Stake in it? If, oh, okay, if you're yeah. like, if you're a filmmaker, you're not all yeah. right in the head. Like there's something. <laughs> oh my God. You, and, you know, like varying degrees of truth in that, you know, I'm not sure that that applies to everyone but well i mean like um, personal experience is like the experience that i think like shapes your start storytelling the most i yeah. I, I i agree with that take i don't won't say like every filmmaker's messed up in the head I, i'm making a generalization that's yeah, 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 a little yeah. on the comedic or like a, ten, a tendency to ruminate a lot about the things that have happened to you in your life yeah as well, for think. sure yeah yeah and so i think i think that's more what the fablemans is about where yeah absolutely Whereas uh, Babylon is more um, like once you get there, now you've got, it's not a pure art form. It's an art form and a business. And it's kind of like how the business Hollywood side of things twists art and makes it something, you know what, as I'm saying this, I'm like, this reminds me of the menu. (laughs) Money and business. Three movies. Right. And ruins people. 
I think this movie explores that better than the menu, though. And I, I say that as a menu liker. <laughs> yeah, because the menu, I think, is like less about that and more about passion, you know, exploration of how the uh, the material world twists passion because, you know, people got to make money. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Aiden, what would you say is your favorite part of the movie? My favorite or, uh, part? That... If it was the same thing, you could pick a new one. I liked that part a lot too, but I will say, and actually I want to get into this now because I'm actually curious to see what Peter wants to say about it. But one of the parts that I really, really liked was near the end when Nelly walks off into the darkness. Okay, um, yeah. I, actually, like, I'm more confused than sure. like, uh, like, it's like, I understand that like, so, sort of like, like, you know how like beforehand we had the scene where they're in like this little chapel. I, I have no idea where they were. They were just in this in, in this garden and they were dancing together, right? And they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna ask you to marry me. We're gonna have kids, whatever." Uh, which is a very lovely scene. And then right after she walked off, which I guess like to me, like what I was thinking is like she thinks she doesn't deserve to be in his life. Like he, she thinks she will like mess it up. Like he, she thinks yeah. he deserves happiness, so she should just leave. So he can have his peace and happiness. But also, it's like, <laughs> it's just really random, you know, just walking into the dark. It's like one of these really dramatic scenes that you think you need to, you should be feeling something, but you don't feel anything. Uh, I more. At least that's uh, how, how I felt when I watched the scene. I think to talk about that scene, we have to go back first and talk about yeah. another scene that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably the standout monologue of the film is delivered by gene smart's character uh to uh jack and it's a fabulous scene yeah great scene that one thank you peter and it's about (laughs) um your interjections i'll keep i'll keep saying i'll keep saying Um, (laughs) great scene alex that was a great (laughs) (laughs) jack is like coming to terms with the fact that he's lost it He's lost the edge he had on in Hollywood with the the coming of sound, um, as it was mentioned before. Like his voice just sounds weird, and it it's it's nothing. There's nothing he could do about it, but he's just lost the favor of the audience, and so he's. <clears throat> I think he's he's mad in the scene at Gene Smart's character yeah. because uh, she wrote a bad review, yeah, uh, of, yeah. of his performance. And well, it's not had... really a bad. Re- uh, can can I just quickly? Really? Does this really matter what it is? Well, like it was an interview, and like she twisted it, not twisted it, but like she framed it in a way that is negative to his character, basically. Okay, so she made a bad thing about him. Thank you. Yeah. And he, you know, he comes back think, saying like, you know, we used to be friends, or we had an agreement of mm-hmm. being nice to each other. So what happened? And she delivers this monologue about how Hollywood is like, or LA, whatever, is like a, a city of angels and cockroaches. I don't know if she says those exact words, or those words are used. I don't know if it's those two options, but basically, you know, the stars, um, they're not going to be around forever, like on this earth, but they are immortalized on the screen, you know, the actors and the stars lose favor over time. Eventually it will happen. It's inevitable. Um, But no matter what, their time on this earth will have been recorded and will last a lifetime. 
Um, and then the other type of person in Hollywood are the cockroaches, the people who are going to survive the nuclear holocaust or whatever, you know, um, mm. of just the audience, of maintaining the audience favor, right? So they'll, they will prevail. Um, I don't know if she says if it's strictly because they're not on screen, but I think that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I think the people who aren't on screen are more like the cockroaches who are likely to survive the burning building. That's a, an analogy she uses. Yeah. Um, and so they're able to escape with their lives, but the, the stars are doomed, basically. They're doomed mm-hmm. to die and yet be immortalized. So I can stop there and then circle back to, to answer the question because I'm sure people want to talk about the monologue itself, which is fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, while we're on the monologue, we can circle back to what I was saying. But I think while we're on the monologue, I, I love this scene a lot. I think it's very well acted. Um, I think it's really interesting, again, this like balanced take on the movie's themes where it's talking about legacy and it's talking about one of the big things is about like wanting to be something bigger um, in this movie, be a part of something bigger in this movie and to like leave a mark. And I liked how this talked about how like you are immortalized on screen and it's like you were there, but it's also like when you feel like you're being swept up with passing time, it's almost like haunting to see that like, cause it just reminds you of when you were at this top place. And so like, and it's also not necessarily you, especially if you feel like you've changed, then when you see a depiction of you that presents you as this like glorious figure and you don't feel like you are that anymore, like that's incredibly depressing. And I really, I really liked that about um, Jack's character. And I felt like, Jack underwent a lot of change um, as a result of stuff like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was very well put. Well, yeah. very well said. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back to the Nelly leaving scene yeah. and yeah, uh, and now, then we're coming back to the monologue. <laughs> no, that was it for the monologue. You got your monologue, Phil. Um, Wait, yo, dude. I, 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 if if we're talking about monologue, I have a couple more things to say. So I just want to talk about how like there are two ways to make money in Hollywood. One is like being the star. Like it's sort of like a short burst. Like they said, like the house always burns down, but then the cockroaches survive. Right. So like the, this and like, I really love how Gene Smart said like this will happen again and again. This conversation that we're having right now will happen in the future countless times because that's just how the industry works. It's almost uh, like um, as time passes, people will find new stars to cherish and old stars will be swept uh, to the side, you know? But like the people, the, the, the column writers, the producers, the, the, the studio execs, they will still be around making money off the new stars, you know? So it's like whether you're you want to be famous, have fame, have this short burst of flame and go down with a house, or do you want to be the cockroaches who survive? Which I thought it was very, very interesting. And uh like Aiden, like you said, it's just a very like um a very balanced take on the industry. Like like very fair and not biased, which it, at least in my opinion is not biased. Um um so it's cool seeing a take like that and uh, a view of the industry 
Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, uh, should we segue into the next, into the scene that I initially brought up uh, of Nelly sure. leaving? I think, like, I, I like it for really similar reasons, where if you think about where Nelly and Manny start in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. they bond over the fact that they want to be a part of something bigger. Like, that's what they say. Yeah. Um, and they see movies as this thing of, like, that grant, granted them, like, immense freedom, and they got to be like themselves and they got to break out of like repressive internal lives in past situations. And I think it's really interesting that if you look at where Manny winds up when he's in the theater and mm-hmm. he's looking at um, the depiction of, I forgot the, is it singing in the rain yeah. where yeah, he's watching singing in the rain and it's depicting this change from uh, silent to sound. And it's like, he definitely got this feeling that I think he feels that as well, where it's like, Oh, I want to be a part of something bigger, but I got swept up and I got, I got kicked out. And I think he's sitting there crying and smiling because it's like, Oh no, I was, was, I I was there. I was there when that happened. It was, it was a huge thing that will be remembered. And maybe I won't be remembered specifically, but I was a part of this bigger thing. Yeah. It happened. Um, and I think that he can find appreciation in that when he realized like, oh, I actually did realize the very dream that I set out to accomplish. And then I got out like with with my life. Um, when then if I, I think if you look at Nelly, Nelly initially finds like immense freedom, um, like clearly like a tortured person inside. And again, I think you you know that very subtly right from the single tear mm-hmm. thing. And I think that like this thing that once granted her freedom is like this haunting prison for her because she can no longer be herself. She has to be a product and she gets to a point where I feel like she thinks that she can't actually escape like what she's going through and she can't escape like the shittiness of her life. And so that's it like when she gets to the end like that's it that's all she has left in her and so she walks off into the darkness to be forgotten essentially or in her mind to be forgotten to to be free almost yeah i i think like she's just done like that was that was the last moment and i think even even when she has that scene with uh with manny it's like this is a fantasy and she knows that and i think she's been taught like okay yeah my, my dreams like are not going to come true like and that's she's a dreamer that's what she wants and she's like no this is this thing with manny like tomorrow we're going to be back to reality we're going to be hunted and there's nowhere to go and i i can't be a film star anymore i can't do what i want to do mm-hmm. so it's over well and also it's almost like a realization of the burden of being a star you know um because like at first uh if we if we look back to the like the silent era it's only like enjoyment, you know, she loves the process. She loves being on set. She loves acting. But then when we switch to the studio, um, um, where, where, where she started feeling like the stress, she, she's having trouble remember her lines. Um, there's pressure from the studio execs. There are like this requirement, that requirement for sound, for lighting, etc. You can stand there, stand there. So it's almost like this progressive loss of freedom mm-hmm. and, and I, I, like, I see, like, the way of her use of substance and gambling as sort of her way of escaping. But when society no longer accepts that as sort of, like, uh, acceptable behavior for 
celebrities, then she can't even do that anymore. So she's becoming increasingly restricted. And eventually, I think it leads to the outburst at the party um, where she just basically lashes out and tells everyone what she how she truly feels and how she truly thinks and walks out, you know? So, Alex, what were you going to say? <laughs> yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think I'll just answer the question about the scene. Um, why does she walk away? I think that this has to do with the angels and, and cockroaches thing. Mm-hmm. And this, she is one of the angels. She's a star. She, she was the it girl for a while. And once you've like tasted that, like you can't go back. This is her dream. And I think for a star, you, you die a star. You don't, you don't leave. You die a star. And those are the two options when you're in Hollywood, when you're in Hollywood, you die or you leave. And um, that happens with a bunch of other characters. Uh, Jack dies, doesn't leave. And then the other characters, uh, and I guess we can count Gene Smart in the Dyers as well, but um, the other characters leave Hollywood to escape it, right? And so I think she decides to stay because like, like this is where she belongs and um, she just kind of like reached this point in her life where, you know, after all the, the drugs and the gambling and stuff, like, like this is all she has is this dream and it's going to take it, take her to her grave, I guess. And I, it makes perfect sense to me. I think Yeah. Um, she could not move to a different city and live a normal life. She's tasted yeah. the heights and you, once you've gone there, you can't come back from it. And other people who did not make it quite as far are able to go, you know what? I value my life more than this. Um, and she does not. So that's what that's about. I think. Do you think, uh, there's a difference between sort of her way of viewing the situation versus Jack's way? Cause they are both sort of like, uh, yesterday's star today's, you know, on the sideline type of character. While well, I guess the only difference is Jack still has like the money while she is, um, you know, financially not doing great also. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's a good question. I think um, Jack's self-destruction is a little more... Um, Volatile? No, like self, self-afflicted, self I guess. And I mean, that's kind of obvious, but mm-hmm. like, I think Nellie was trying to, I don't know, escape, maybe feel something. And Jack's just lost all kind of like like what he gets from acting is the admiration i imagine and he's lost the the admiration and um from the audience and so after that like if he's not a star anymore there's like nothing left for him i guess is his thing and i like i think like internally like because he has that scene where he's talking about his wife where he's like what where he's talking to his wife who is like a a theater actor and he's Mm -hmm. talking about like what we do matter what we do matters and he's talking about films even though it's not like high art or whatever because that was like they're often the perception at the time yeah. um as opposed to theater um is is important because like we make people go out and dream and we make them uh like believe in another reality and it's and it's like wonderful and i think like 
it's like he can't really be a part of that anymore. And I think like what you're saying is true, Alex. Like he can't be admired in the same way. And again, it's like that was really the only thing that was ever that important to him. It was like this like childhood desire that never ceased and oh and remained like the most important thing to him. And he cannot he can no longer fulfill it anymore. And I think he's he's at his end, yeah. And actually I I just remembered like he's kind of on like an opposite arc as Nelly because he starts the movie off as an alcoholic, right? And yeah. I don't I don't remember him drinking quite as much towards the end. No. Does it does he go sober for a while? I well he claimed he stopped drinking in the interview, but he still like pours yeah. himself a glass here and there. Yeah. So like at the very least, right, he's reduced for sure. <laughs> no, stop using stop giving me words. So <laughs> you're putting words in my mouth and I'm like, no, that's not it. So he's he at the very least represents a later stage of Nelly's journey, yeah. right? He's he's kind of already at the abuse uh, station. I don't know why I was going to say station. The abuse stage of his career, and Nelly has to work her way up to it, which I, I think is very interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't recall, again, if the alcohol, like, comes and goes throughout the movie. Again, I saw this, like, a month ago, so... Peter, you could tell me, but... Uh, he was... Like, at least from what I remember, initially, he was very drunk at the party. He was drunk on set, but that's about it for the drinking. Yeah, because that's like, that's just the yeah. beginning. So, yeah. Um, where do we go from here? No, yeah, okay. well, well, there's something I want to talk about. And I, I just Wait. want to hear a little bit more. About... Alex, did you talk about your favorite scene? Not yet. Um, okay. But we're kind of down like a rabbit hole. Uh, okay. I do want to hear what Aiden was going to say, though. Oh, well, I mean, we can do your favorite scene first, but I was just going to ask, like, because you guys have both said that you find this movie messy, and I completely disagree. And so I'd like to, I don't know, I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. Sure, uh, I can I can take it first. Um, it's just, yeah, I do agree with what Peter was saying. The The through line is, on a first watch, hazy. At worst, at worst, it's hazy, I think, where it's kind of like you have to think about it and take a step back and be like, OK, what happened? What was what I just watching? Because the story from A to B isn't linear. And I don't know that that's a problem. I think to say that this movie is messy is not so much a, um, a condemnation as just a descriptor. There are clear-cut movies and there are messy movies and that could be either good or bad um i just think with i think there's a lot going on with the five different characters three more so but um where there's no like even in some ensemble films there's a main character mm. right who you who you are mostly following and it's kind of like framed through them and i would say that Manny doesn't really fulfill that for me. I think the characters are a little more equal in sharing the weight. And yeah, again, this is a while ago, but that's that's what I was thinking when I left the theater a month ago. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do disagree. I think that like, I actually think that this is an incredibly tightly wound movie. 
I think it, it makes a lot of sense, like the way that this movie progresses. I think that like it's about people and three different people, three different main characters, and their like journey from like the angels and cockroaches thing, struggling with legacy, becoming starting from nothing in the case of Nelly and Manny, or starting from the top uh, with the case of Brad Pitt, and seeing as as time progresses and the same events happen to all of them, we see how they react and adapt to all of those events. And I think every character gets an arc. And I think that there are maybe sometimes where I wish, um, like there's a little bit more to fill out the arc. Like I, I wish we saw a little bit more of Nelly. We explored different sides of her maybe. Cause while I like there being an element of mystery to her character, I, 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 I just wish we explored a little bit more. I think Jack is explored really well. And then maybe a little bit more of Manny as well. But I think just a little more of everybody. No, no, but I like, but that's not messiness. That's just, I wish that my problem with this movie and the way the plot develops is just that I think some scenes, some scenes go on too long. And so I'll give an example. And that's that on the transition to sound scene, when we're first moving to a sound stage, I, and I, this could be the thing I'm talking about where I already knew that like when we, when they switched to sound, it was like a restrictive thing at first. Um, but I knew from like the first few shots what was going on. I was like, okay, they've switched to sound and it's like now this kind of dull environment. And that seems very long. That scene is like super, super long mm. when they first move on to the soundstage. And I was thinking like, I get this. And I think that that ties into some of the problems people have where they, where like maybe where you feel like characters drop out. Cause there are long scenes like that. And Are you like, referring to, John Conrad wearing a raincoat? No, no. That scene. Wait, wait, which... Let me let me jump in. The eight sure. take scene where Nelly is on the soundstage. Hello, college. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I was gonna say this was one of this was one of the ones I listed as one of my favorite parts. Yeah, it's a great scene. I read it I like it's a great scene too, but I think it's too long. And I, I think that... I think it's necessary to be long though, because like it's sort of showing you how movie production works and you know the guy like literally died of heat stroke because you know uh yeah like yeah. like i think it's really really interesting and fun for me personally to see the difference between how movies were made back in the day and how movies were made right now and how much we come both in a technological point of view and also like some of the struggles and uh difficulties initially mm. i think it's fun to see that perspective sure I don't care so much about that. Just, I think the scene is very well crafted. Does it, is it long? Yes, it is long. Just as I think the movie is a little messy, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't think it works if it's shorter. I think the, the feeling, the painstaking feeling of every single take and like, like it's not glossed over. It's like, you're actually like, okay, come on, come on, get get the take done. And then something goes wrong invariably, like yeah. every single time. Like you feel that and you feel the frustration. The editing and the pacing is like whiplash level good. I, I know that. And I, the tension yeah. is so great. And I like that, as Peter mentioned, a character dies in this just as a character died before sound. So we've got kind of like connection there. I think it's a great scene. Um, and... Also, on on the other hand, this is the scene that I was re- thinking about when I said 
yeah, Manny drops out for like half of the film. Yeah, because this is the moment mm-hmm. because he's gone and it's just about Nelly and it's like, I don't even know, like 15, sure. 20 minutes. It's yeah, like so maybe I'll amend my statement because I agree that there there's a lot that I really like about the scene. I like the different shots. I like the detail that like, we see just the little subtleties and the difference of how she's opening the door and like where she's hitting the mark. I think that's all great. So maybe I'll amend my statement by saying, I think maybe Manny should be in this scene. Like, I was just thinking that. And yeah. like that, that's like a good, that's like a, a pretty good fix for that. But I didn't really feel like characters dropped out that much. I felt like characters were there when they needed to be. And I felt like, I liked the idea that it became more about Manny towards the end. And I liked the, I liked how the, the character arcs were interwoven in such a way that when one character is going through something, we see the same version of that struggle or a permutation of that struggle in the other characters. Um, And for some, that's not relevant. Like Manny doesn't have necessarily the same struggle as, um, jack and nelly so he's not there for that part because it's like the struggle they're trying to showcase there isn't really applicable to him and then once it is he comes back and i i think that there's a lot of like i would say i don't think this movie is very messy i don't think it's that chaotic either i think that like and i saw another reviewer say this where it's like I think a legitimate criticism of this movie is that it's maybe trying to present itself as like, it's Babylon and we're crazy. And it's Mm -hmm. not that it's like a very like pretty traditionally told story. It's wound pretty tightly. I think I think it progresses really naturally. And I don't think it is. I I think it's like somewhat by the books. I really didn't have this feeling of like, oh, this is crazy what's happening and we're jumping around and I don't know what's happening. I really got the sense of characters are there when they need to be. There's like the through line of time, which I think works well enough to bring together and the overall changes that are happening in Hollywood. And then the arcs intersecting in such a way that we see different sides of the same sort of struggle makes this movie actually structured very well i i don't know okay when people say chaotic i think maybe the the correct synonym is intense i think that's a good way to describe the movie like the thing is like when i think of like what is a crazy movie i don't even know if i could name everything everywhere that is a crazy Mm, movie yeah okay that's a crazy movie um i would say that this one is an intense movie and not as clearly I can see what you mean about it being sorted by the books. But one thing I will say is one of the issues I had is towards the end when uh, Diego Cava, um, Manny and Nelly reunite. And it's when it's when they get married that I was like, now, hold on. What what is this? What the movie is? Because if, if this is what we were leading up to. I needed a lot more to happen. Maybe not a lot, at least like one or two emotional events between these sure. two. I could see that. For, that for that to work. Sure. Because I get the sense that this is Damien Chazelle kind of reverting back to his base instinct of romance. And I almost wonder like maybe in the drafts, like this movie was too La La Land and he was like, okay, I, like, I got to throw in, like, another thing. So he throws in Jack, and, like, it, it's just kind of stuck in, like, this 
midway space between La La Land and Not, where I don't think the romance is fully there. There's It comes and goes in moments. And I, I'm, I know that part of it is that these are people who are kind of on parallel tracks who don't mm-hmm. always interact with each other. But if there's the moment with the marriage, like that scene is just confusing to me because I had forgotten by that point that they were people who were interested in each other because they just had not shared enough scenes, I think. Um, yeah, that's, all, that's I, all I'll say, Aiden. I agree with the general point that I think there needed to be a little bit more leading up to that. But I also, I think that the stuff directly leading up to that scene, like, reminds you pretty clearly that, like, oh, they are, there is some sort of, and I don't even know if romance is the best word for it. It's this, like, clear affection for each other. And I think, for Manny at least, I think it's that, like, he's kind of enamored by Nelly and she reminds him of this time when he was just starting out and they were both dreamers. And I think that that scene is just them like bringing their like dreams and fantasies into real life. Like they just have this moment where they're living like a fantasy together. And then, like I said, it, it ends and then Nelly walks off. And so I, I don't see that scene as like trying to be super romantic. Um, I saw it just as that. It's just like a little escape. Um, I did get the sense, like when when Manny was like, yeah, like I've always loved you. I believed that as a genuine thing. And I don't know, again, I don't know if like romantic love is the best way to describe that. But I, I quite like that scene. But I will say, I think that there is a large part of the movie where they don't interact in a meaningful enough way. But then again, then again, really sorry, really quick. I know I'm dragging. But like during the trend, the after we transition to sound, like Manny is has like a special interest in making Nelly uh, like adapt. And yeah. why would he feel that way? Why would he do that if he didn't like have a special affinity for her? Yeah, um, I do just want to say not about that, but um, the moment, the fantasy moment you were talking about, mm-hmm. I think that what proves that point is that it's captured on film yeah. in that scene. There's people in the background who are, I don't know what the role is, but like they just start filming them. Yeah. And I think it is, it is an interesting moment. And I, I do want to watch this movie again to see if like, now that I know what's coming, it works better. Cause mm-hmm. like, I, I honestly feel like, you know, some movies are just like that where you're along for the ride for the first time. And you're kind of like, where's this going? And then, yeah. You know, once you have the bigger picture in mind, seeing it again, it's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. That makes sense. So I think this is one of those movies where, yeah. Sure. Peter? Honestly, that scene did not feel strange to me, the wedding scene. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a wedding scene. It's more like, uh, the, like finally, like, their affection for each other, like, blossoms. There's, like, some, some outcome out of that. Uh, and I, like, fun fact, actually, when I was watching that, I was really concerned because uh, I'm pretty sure uh, as the camera was panning around, like, that little garden area, we saw, like, the camera that will eventually be used to film them. And I was like, is the movie about to do a huge 180 and just say, oh, actually, we're on a film set. This whole thing is being filmed. Oh, and, really? and, and I'm like, okay, please don't do that because that would be really bad. Uh, and thank God it didn't. 
Um, but like, honestly, dude, like there were multiple moments of this movie where we're reminded of this sort of like uh, love between Manny and Nelly. It's mainly one-sided, Manny towards Nelly. Mm-hmm. Um, like at first, like at the end of the first party, he literally said in Spanish, I think I'm in love with you. Yeah. But like she just ran away and drove off, you know, like because of circumstance, they could, could not be together for so many times. Uh, there was another moment where she is already famous. He is still working as an assistant of Jack. Um, the back of the car, like they got close, but then like nothing really happened. And then uh, eventually when he's a studio exec, uh, he, uh, he's presenting the ideas of uh, his ideas of how to revitalize Nelly as a brand and as a celebrity. Like he saw her outside and he abandoned a room of exact, literally the people controlling his life almost to see her, you know? Yeah. And like, eventually he gets to be with her even just for a short, short moment. Like I thought that plot, I had no problem whatsoever. It's mainly the problem that Manny is not featured for a significant portion until Nelly came to find him, you know, like uh, uh, towards the, the second half, the, the second act. So that, that, that's my only problem when I talk about characters. Yeah. But I, I got, yeah. sorry, you just finished print. Yeah. It's just, I think like the, the relationship between Nelly and Manny, like, I think it's pretty clear to me personally. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I really like about the relationship is that it's like, Nelly represents to him like she's this silver screen star and he saw her when he was starting out and it's like oh my god like like this is it like he's like he saw inspiration I think yeah, yeah I think he sees her as like like almost like an overall representation of like like the beauty of film in general and I think that Nelly likes him a lot because while she's like I'm a star I'm a star and she keeps saying that I think that there's she doubts that and she's been taught to yeah. doubt that her whole life. And Manny is someone who, like, unconditionally admires her for it and sees her in that way. And he's nice to her. And then I also just want to really quickly talk about when they're caught, when they're um, the moment when they're together in like the quote unquote wedding scene and they're caught on film. I really liked that as well because I saw it as like we are talking about like, oh, there's all this business built up on top right. of it. Right. Oh, turns into this product and we're bringing it back down to like- That's a, such a lovely to, way to- To the purest expression of like what this medium is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was just going to say, fuck. It's gone. I was talking about uh, Nelly. Nelly likes- <laughs> Cliff, Nelly, Cliff notes. Cliff notes. Nelly, oh, Nelly, I got Nelly it. wants I got to be it. a star. Yeah. I got it. You, can, I'm gonna edit this out so I can be better at this. Um, I think what it comes down to the relationship is the star and the admirer. You can't have a star without their admirers, an right? audience, like, yeah, an audience basically, yeah. and that's what Manny represents to Nelly. I think. Yeah. Um, I am gonna go back to the favorite scene bit way long ago and just talk about the one last bit we haven't talked about that i think was really interesting yeah and it has to do with uh not nelly the other one manny um so we've been talking about like where does manny go for like i don't know middle of act two kind of ish he's kind of like in and out i think what i just keep thinking so okay so he discovers the sound thing he's like okay we got to change the sound then there's the eight take scene where he's gone. Mm-hmm. Then I think we see him like walking around and he there's the door that has his name on it and he says, Don't put Manuel, put Manny. Yeah. And then there's the scene I'm gonna talk about. 
and then maybe it's the exact same re-changing the image i think i don't know yeah but like, that's i think that's all there is between them and there and then and then they reconnect um, okay for the drug reasons but uh the scene i want to talk about is the blackface scene um, oh yeah, yeah where it's how would i even describe this so like like the setup is that um let me just check his name. It's Sydney, um, Sydney Palmer, right? Is his last name? Um, Sydney Palmer is has made it in front of the screen thanks to Manny, and um, he's playing. He's the, he's the trumpet player, and he's playing with his band on camera, and just due to the lighting setup, he's lit brighter than the people behind him, and apparently something about selling the film in the south they're going to be it's not going to work if he looks lighter than the other people in his band and so manny decides that the course of action is to have sydney put uh shoe is it shoe polish or shoe whatever on his face like to do blackface and it's just like like the tension of that scene is so enormous like i just like we hang on um sydney's not close up like but like the shot of like you see his face very clearly like the, yeah the, whatever the shot is it doesn't matter but the like, minuscule movements of his muscles etc yes like, you can yeah. feel that absolutely yes, thank you peter and <laughs> um um and just yeah the the tension created by holding on his face for so long and I mean, Jovan Adepo is just so phenomenal in that scene. The kind of like, like veiled anger, like the kettle about to boil over, but like he has to keep it down is so powerful. And it's just like, it's this moment of kind of like betrayal where two non-white characters like who, you know, not should have each other's backs, but like necessarily, but like, you know, they're, they they come from similar circumstances where, you know, they're just by the color of their skin, they're not going to be treated the same as their uh, colleagues, I guess. But um, and then they're forced to like assimilate to fit into this industry. And it's yeah, it sucks. So I, I found that scene really powerful. And uh, I mean, once once the conversation is over and then it's I think it's like a crane shot that like pushes in from a wide like right up to his face like it's it's crazy it's so good uh Peter has something to say about yeah this. it's a very powerful scene for sure and I love how like eventually what tipped the scale for Sid was that do you really want to see these people in the background these actors these workers go home and unable to feed their family you know this sort of like it's almost this unfair pressure being applied to him by men by manny that do you really want to be the villain in this story do you like it's almost like you know putting him in such a narrative that he can't say no uh it was very very powerful that scene yeah i i agree with what both you guys are saying i think that that's it's really powerful because it's talking about it's again playing to the theme of like um the power structures of exploitation that have been built on top of film i think that it's like the idea that like Manny of all people is the one telling him to do this is this idea that like he has risen to the office that he holds and the position and the power structure 
that he has is conditional and it relies on him being this kind of guy and doing these kinds of things and in yeah. turn exploiting. And I thought that that was a really well played out moment. Um, yeah. I, 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 like you said, Peter, I really love that line as well, where it's like, yeah, like, do you want to be the bad guy here? And it's like, it's a lose lose situation because of the, like the power grip that the, the, the filmic powers that be have. Um, but yeah, like, like the corporate side of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do a bold thing, and I'm gonna take us from this kind of like heavy topic and go for a lighter one. Um, I have two kind of moments written down that are very like comedic, I suppose, and I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about them. So the first moment, uh, well, I'll just group them together. It's fine. I find that in this movie. Damien Chazelle has dipped into very crude humor, which I'm, you know, I'm not above. And it seems to be very popular this year as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, there was yeah. Triangle of Sadness. Yes. Um, not so much crude humor as these two in Glass Onion, but it's definitely cheaper humor in that one. Mm-hmm, for sure. So I, I'm, there's almost a trend going on here, but... I There's a lot of like poop, uh, vomit. Yeah. Poop is yeah. funny again. Thank yeah. God. Um, <laughs> they uh, brought so, poop back. 2022, they brought poop, they brought poop back. <laughs> yeah. so, so the first of these scenes is, of course, within the first three minutes where they're trying to get an elevator oh, yeah. oh. up to the top of the hill to the exec's house for the party. That's Manny and some unnamed workers. Yeah. And one of them has gone behind the truck to push it up the hill and the elephant shits all over the worker in like a glorious like shit shower and it's, <laughs> it's i love your description so that's that's one moment i mean there's also a piss moment <laughs> shortly thereafter <laughs> um but the other moment that i have in mind is and i personally i think the second one is much funnier where it's two people talking in a bathroom about the transition to sound. And I think one of them's Jack. And the other person is like, yeah, why wouldn't people want sound in pictures? Oh, and, yeah. then you, <laughs> and then you hear the wettest fart you've heard in your life. <laughs> like, like the comedic timing of that worked perfectly for me. But anyways, like I said, I want to hear what you guys think. Peter, what did you think? Okay. I got to say, this movie took a while for me to get immersed. Like, um, yeah. when the first, like, uh, elephant shitting scene happened, I was like, okay, I'm not ready to laugh at that just yet, you know? Like, I felt more gross than funny when that scene happened. And, like, I think that's my overall opinion about, like, the party segment in the, in the first little bit in general. I think the movie really took off once you have Manny and Nelly on film sets. That's when I really get, got, um... Uh, uh immerse into the movie so yeah that's my take the the second one the second joke is funny the 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 sound thing the fart yeah i uh what i like about the elephant shit is not i agree i don't i don't know if i found this super funny i found it more gross than funny but i i like that again and i i I think that the arcs in this movie are generally pretty good this is like manny's humble beginnings they're the humblest (laughs) of humble beginnings like this is what he does and i think that to open a film that is about like a little bit about like the glory and expenditure and overindulgence of Hollywood to open it with like 
like the worst task you can imagine like he has to do this to try to to like whittle his way into hollywood i think it's thematically uh appropriate but i i agree i don't know if it was that funny um yeah i almost want now i'm thinking about it it's almost like a sisyphus parallel perhaps <laughs> yeah. like the the person the greek figure who has to like roll the rock up the hill every day like that's what yeah. it is to make film yeah for some people in the industry like if you're the shit shoveler or the you know the person you get shit on like that's <laughs> that's your day my god the end of time you know so i find that interesting but kind of what peter was saying i found that this scene like was just like a weird spot to start I didn't, let me let me correct myself. I found myself kind of wary for the first five, ten minutes going like, I don't know if I like this. Mm. I don't know what it was. If it maybe it was the elephant was just too much. And I was just kind of like, yeah, there's something like a little off. I can't like fully get into it. Um, I was definitely concerned for the rest of the three hours. I was like, oh, no, am I going to? Like, I went, what I like shit. This, this is where we're starting where does it go and of course you know i very quickly like i was like oh i actually really like this but um i also wonder what you guys think the opening party scene directly after this moment um i didn't find it like super seedy and i think this played into how much like i was like into the film I found it kind of like, like particularly the party in like the the center atrium kind of lobby foyer area, it it's very performed and choreographed. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that took it away some level of like authenticity for me, where I was like, okay, well, like, like we're doing our one take thing, which obviously has to be highly choreographed for that to work at all. But I think that bled through where I was like, okay, yeah, these are people who are like doing their dance moves and, you know, here's a lift. And then, you know, and I think, yeah, I was like, I don't know if this is what a Hollywood party looked like. Sure. And I think he course corrects later. I don't know that. Yeah. That's how I felt about that opening. Uh, Aiden? Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to like very quickly circle back to the very beginning. And that's, I just that the opening shot being this like sparse desert landscape that actually like instantly hooked me. Cause I was like this idea of like Hollywood is the wild, wild West. And at this era, like people had run away, like in the last couple decades had run away from the patent companies out on the East coast and are now out here in Hollywood making uh, like, like and it's just insane and like they have these expansive landscapes and they're just going to fucking make it and they're just going to do and it's like wild so i like that um responding to the party scene stuff i didn't really have a problem with it when i was watching it i agree that i don't know if i was like i think like the movie is maybe trying to get you to be like holy shit they're they're showing that they're doing that and that definitely wasn't my reaction um i think i think you're right i think it actually is a directorial choice here that is not great i think that the oneer is maybe not the best way to portray like this is in this is an insane party because i I think you're right i think it feels like like i wonder if they're if they even interspersed i almost feel like 
like a couple of like static shots that are just like relentlessly showing you what is happening instead of being like these kind of floating camera sort of things. I wonder if that would have sold that a little bit more. Um, but I, again, I was pretty hooked into the movie already, so I didn't have too much of a problem with it. And I will just say really quick, I really like the moment when Margot Robbie enters the party and she's kind of, and she's like dancing in the, in the atrium and like, the crowd forms around her and she becomes the center of attention and everyone's yeah. kind of like feeding on her energy. I like, again, it's a good character moment. I, I think that like sets up like who she is uh, really well. My God, we just keep getting to new points. Now I have to comment on three different things. Uh, love the, uh, love the uh, analogy of Hollywood being the wild, wild west. I think that plays into uh, something Jack says much later on in the movie when he's having the discussion between theater, like art, it's not high art, etc. And he talks about his upbringing, like his parents both were like not high born people. And he sort of, he worked this way, got it, got discovered and eventually became the star. So like movie is indeed like, you know, not this sort of like high art, I guess, but like it's more like for the people, you know, than theater, I guess is the point yeah. that he was trying to make. At the time specifically. Yeah. 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 Um, and now going back to, to the, to the party scene, definitely felt very choreographed. Like it's really obvious, especially the way the, the camera moves in, in, in the scene. Like you can clearly tell that it's trying to showcase specific moments that the, uh, and specific movements that the crowd is doing. Uh, but like that, I didn't mind it too, too much. Cause I felt like. In order for these one shots to work, it needs to be very choreographed. Otherwise, it won't look good, you know? Otherwise, it would just look messy, especially with so many people in the scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I like comparing this party to the, uh, the later Gats. scene. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were going to compare it with the Great Gatsby. guessing what I'm <laughs> going to say. You're wrong 90% of the time. Hey, I'm, I'm betting on the 10%, bro. I will ask you if I need help. I don't right now. Um, I really like the later scene that I'm calling the descent into hell or like the seven circles of hell. And this is, this starts when we meet Toby Maguire's character who's like held off for so long. He's only in one sequence towards the end. And even like when we first meet him, I was like, like, that's a great scene with, the count who is a character who's been kind of a side character and then he's got a, got a bigger part in the sequence and he's so funny apparently i think he's a comedian the actor oh, yeah. but like i i really liked that character yeah uh and of course we reveal that uh so toby mcguire is the gangster who uh nelly owes money to and they, they're paying him back but naturally the in 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 the city where everything is fake um the count, is, so the count has used fake prop money to pay him back and like watching diego calva like after he's realized this through to the end is just like magnificent like his his acting is so good him and marco robbie are just phenomenal in this movie. yeah and i yeah i the tension again like Damien Chazelle is a fantastic director at yeah. building tension specifically in this scene. Um, and so uh, that's great. And then they go into the, the like 
what would you call it like the water kind of like the tunnel system, i guess yeah, yeah sure the tunnel i let you have that one by the way um and they go down into like the subterranean uh sub chamber after sub chamber kind of thing and i think contrasting from the first bit which is highly choreographed and kind of like i said performative seediness mm -hmm. i think this tries to get as close as chazelle can to real true seediness like the real underbelly i i do kind of think like when you're hyping it up so much like oh you ain't seen nothing yeah like this is gonna be real insane it's usually you just you've put the idea of like what i should be expecting way too high and then when i see it i'm like yeah yeah okay sure that makes that tracks <laughs> but like i'm not like wowed or anything so i think i think that happened for me again where i was just like yeah that wasn't that surprising. This could have been worse somehow. Sure. But I think, you know, reflecting on it, like at the lowest level, there's some like kind of, there is fucked up shit that they're watching, by the way. Yeah. Like boxing, not fucked up, but like it's pretty brutal. Then you see like sex slaves, which is really bad. Yeah. And then of course at the bottom level is the geek who is eating rats. Yeah. And again, like it's like. Dude, yeah, we're okay, not going to talk about the alligator. The alligator's not seedy. It's funny. It's more of a comedic thing. Um, but I think I think what's best about this scene is the metaphor, you know, that Hollywood is a place of performers and people paying to see the performance. And the geek is like the ultimate bastardization of this idea where here's someone just eating fucking rats. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's a performance and people will pay to see that. And yeah there's varying degrees of like how correct these um performances are but anyways I, i'm kind of going down a rabbit hole aiden yeah I, I will say that i do think that to be like i agree that this scene achieves cd better than the first party scene but i don't i think you're supposed to feel different things def i mean obviously you're supposed to feel different things yeah. but the first one is supposed to like be f overall fun like, you're supposed to be, like, sh a yeah. little shocked by it, but you're supposed to generally be, like, they look like they're having a lot of fun, and this looks like, like, you can kind of understand, like, yeah, okay, like, people people were going wild, and it was, like, a, a fun time party, even though, people, like, someone dies there, and it's bad, obviously. Um, but, and then this one is supposed to be, like, scary, I think, and me just be mm -hmm. more, like, and what I like about this scene is I feel like one of the other things this movie's talking about is, like, repression, and I think that it's interesting to talk about, like, when the Hays Code happened and a lot of stuff was being censored and people had to start behaving better, like, that, like, seediness didn't go away. It just, yeah. like, it, it just had to be driven underground. And in repressing it, it almost became this more perverted thing. And I, I think it's interesting. I think if I don't have, like, my thoughts gathered too succinctly on this but like i think you can talk about repression in regards to nelly's character and how she's kind of in a unable to process a lot of what she's going through um and yeah i i really like that scene as well for for that reason uh peter did you have something to say you had your hand raised for a bit no nah, i just had a question on what you guys think the scene's about but i think you guys answered that okay um so then i'm gonna kind of come for full circle and talk about the ending again. Sure. Um, just kind of last bits. Uh, there's one bit I want to leave for last. I'm sure okay. you guys know what that is. Yeah. But, um, before that, 
we get the scene where Manny has encountered the hitman. The hitman? Is that right? I said Hit that guy. Right. Hit guy. And I'm. this was a very big moment, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, basically, you know, after the Seven Circles of Hell bit, uh, Toby McGuire has sent a hit a hitman after um, Manny for, you know, cheating him. And for whatever reason, the hitman spares him. And yeah. I, I like that his options are death or get out of town, which tracks for the theme, so that's good. But I think it makes little sense to me that the hitman wouldn't just kill him. Like, I don't... Having just met this character, you know, the hitman five seconds ago, I was like, really? You're just you're just going to let him go? Like, okay, I guess. Um, maybe that was common practice back in the day? I don't know. <laughs> but I think, I think that was a weak spot for me in just, like, you introduce a hitman character who isn't a hitman, and I, I'm not sure I love that. I, I thought it would be interesting if you know, maybe there was an earlier scene where we're introduced to the hitman. It's a lot for a three-hour movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> nah, he doesn't need to be introduced. I need something, personally. Uh, Peter? I don't know if my explanation makes sense either. Like, the way my brain explained it to me, it's like, he's almost pretending that he's, like, a Mexican immigrant. Like, it's, he's, like I'm not the guy you're looking for type of thing. Because he was speaking in full Spanish uh, during that entire scene, I think. Um, I don't think that's what it was. I don't remember. He might have been, but I, was, I don't. I don't think I, it was a case of mistaken identity. I think okay. Okay. Then I have no idea why he was spared. Then. Uh, so what I like, I agree that on like a surface level, it doesn't really make sense. But what I like, kind of what it means to the story, which is that like he should die, like he shouldn't get out of this situation, and just by like an insane amount of luck, just like the, mo an, an unlikely circumstance. He just manages to escape with the skin of, by the, what's the phrase with the skin of by his teeth? teeth? By the skin of his yeah. teeth. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, and I like that idea. Cause it's like what we've been talking about, about Hollywood, which is like, you either die or you leave. And it's like, he, he's presented with that choice uh, where mm -hmm. it's like, that is literally all you can do. And just, just by nothing but dumb luck, he is able to leave and he escapes with his life. Um, and I just, uh, there's something about that that I do really like, although I, I understand what you're saying about like, it doesn't, little... re it doesn't make, it feels like you're forcing the situation to be what you want it to be instead of it, instead of there being a good reason for it to happen. There's a word for it. It's deus ex machina, but <laughs> you know, by the hand of God, yep. he's spared, you know, he's given the choice at least. Well, I mean, and also like, if we really like thinking back on the scene, like camera did zoom, like he, he pissed himself, like camera zoomed in on his pants. He did, and his, piss, uh, himself. He did and piss himself. Like camera zoomed in on that. Is that significant? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's an act of mercy and being like, you know what? Here's so, like, it's pathetic. Here's a person yeah. who's pissing themselves. And that's where the mercy comes from. He's like, well, I'm not going to shoot this person who's pissing themselves. Cause that's so depressing and sad. Yeah. Oh, is it almost like now that I'm thinking about it, is it almost like his character has came full circle? Like you first start with this like low status, you know, you're literally trying to get an elephant who's like shitting on a coworker, trying to get that somewhere. Now you're again back to the status because 
um, you've lost everything, right? And sort of his character sort of reached this, uh, uh, like reached this bottom. And then when he went back to see the life he's left behind, he thought he has left, he hasn't left any legacy behind. But then when watching the movie and sort of feeling that catharsis, that what he did meant something, he was indeed part of something bigger. Maybe that's like why that happened. I think that's I think that's a good reason as well. I think that that is interesting that he like falls despite the status he achieves throughout the movie. He like is kind of reduced back to where he was. Yeah, in that moment. Yeah. And when you're at the lowest of the low, there is pee and poop. Yeah, as we all as we all know. As, and as um, we all know, they brought poop back in 2022. Sure <laughs> uh, the movie ends with a flash forward into the 50s. Um, Diego Calva's character comes back to Hollywood after having been gone for 20 years and he watches Singing in the Rain which is kind of hinted at earlier in the movie where there's there's a, a song <coughs> uh, a musical sequence being filmed where uh, Jack is having to sing Singing in the Rain and it's very interesting um, like, like the parallels between those two things um I've seen Singing in the Rain. I don't know about you guys, but um, those movies are very similar. And and Damien Chazelle knows it and puts it, you know, in the movie. Like, he fully acknowledges it. Basically, well, I won't get too much into it, but um, Margot Robbie's character has a is, is more of a side character in that movie. And we've shifted focus to that character in this mm. one. Anyways, while he's watching the movie, Manny is very upset naturally because he's remember it reminds him of his time in Hollywood and um then he has the most divisive moment of the film a flash forward and maybe also backward for like a montage of the hundred years of cinema and boy is it a doozy uh some of the things I remember Ashian Dandalu um yeah. Is there anything else before like the really wacky ones? Because like I cannot remember. Maybe uh, Passion of Joan of Arc might have been in there. Maybe. Uh, yeah, the only one I actually remember off the dome is Shaun Delu. Um, yeah. The and then Avatar. <laughs> and then yeah. The Matrix. I remember the uh, Matrix. Two thousand one Space Odyssey. Wasn't oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. Of course. Was um, was Lawrence of Arabia in there by any chance? Because like that oh, feels maybe. like a film school kind of. In Don't the same remember. Day. Um. It might not have been. That's just a, anyways. But yes, it goes to then eventually, Tron. I think. Yeah. And, yeah, Tron was in there. Yeah. And the OG Terminator, Tron. Terminator Two with the T One Thousand, and then Avatar. And I was like, oh my god, we're doing this. Yeah. Like it's it's just very jarring to go from like a pretty like you know it's a cinema movie whatever, uh, it's a high art movie and then we kind of go to low art and cg and it's just it's quite a a sharp change between those things well that's not my problem that's not my problem with it is cg yeah, that's not my problem cg isn't low art like that's not fair to say no avatar 
is oh, more sure. comparatively to Babylon. Yeah, well, I mean, the point of it is that it's like big uh, technological changes or things that like brought... cinematic achievements. Yeah, yeah, things that like brought cinema into a new era or like or have been hallmarks of like like Tron. I forget Tron is very significant for a specific it's early, region. Early CG days. It's like I want to say it's it's like one of the first. It's it might even be like the first like feature film that was like got a theatrical release that has like CG. Um, and so like, that's why that's there. And I think that like, it's trying to make a comparison to like, it's like the transition from sound to sound. It's, you know, like Mm -hmm. there, there's these changing eras and it's this thing that like, is just whizzing by and constantly going on. And like I said, I, I like the idea that it's like, um, Manny finds some peace in that moment. Cause he was like, well, I was there. I was a part of that. I was a process of this bigger thing. Um, that being said, I do not like this montage. It is so yeah. heavy-handed. It's so preachy. It is like this last moment of like, look at cinema. Guys, look, 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 guys, cinema. And like, I Didn't was not it. a fan of that. You don't need that. I think that if you just, I don't know. End the movie. <laughs> Cut that scene out. I don't like, know because I know? do, I, I love the idea that it's like this idea of like oh like rapid change and it's this ongoing rapid change and manny's processing that and i don't know if you just hang on his face if that's clear so i don't know exactly how i how i would communicate that but it wouldn't be like this um i just i i was not a fan of this montage at all yeah but like the thing is if you don't represent it this way there's no way to showcase it. It's, it's sort of like my problem with it. It's like, I get the message. It's neat to showcase that cinema is indeed something bigger. Like you are a part of some, it's sort of like reaffirming like Manny's belief, even though like he's not seeing like all these things that we are um, just to showcase like in the future, look, if Manny was alive, uh, is alive right now, like you would see like all these cinematic achievements, but then, like there's no way of showcasing this message without showcasing the progression of movies, but then inevitably there will be like a montage that feels really random. Like my problem with it is just this montage does not fit the rest of the movie. If it was very out of place, it doesn't feel like we're still watching Babylon, and you don't expect it, which is in this case a bad thing, sort of. There's this great thing that filmmakers use called subtext and theme and metaphor like that's what yeah absolutely do that if you take the specific montage sequence out the movie is still about all those things that aiden said and i agree that Mm -hmm. is why that montage is in there it's saying like yeah the transition to sound is has been like those sorts of huge shifts have continued to happen into the future and i think that's something that can be reflected upon and should be, you know, not text. It shouldn't be the text of the movie. It shouldn't be what's shown. It should be people thinking about the movie. Absolutely. And the subtext. And I think putting it in the movie is just a little ridiculous. And sure, I I understand why, but it's weird. I don't, I don't want to see a shot from Avatar at the end of Babylon. It's weird and it's yeah. it doesn't match. It's inconsistent, you know. I I hated it. At first. Yeah, I I will say like, um, I I wish it was shot differently, but I don't mind it coming to text and being like, this is what because 
yeah, we understand a lot of that thematically, but this is a very important character moment for man. Mm-hmm. Like the moment of like, of realizing that he, like he actually did achieve his dream. He actually did it. And like that it's, that's so important. It's a very, very important moment. And I think that like, maybe if you did something. Montage back, I, like montage, the film we were watching. You know, I yeah. wouldn't like that either. Well, that I was included, like that. right? That the a part of the montage was indeed like we see the the, the wedding film as well in there. We see I, like the butterfly moment in there as well. I wouldn't like that. I almost wonder if like no, that's a corny idea too. I was wondering if it was like something akin to that, like one of the final shots of Titanic. Would they like when he walks into the when she walks into the like uh, big hall and she sees everyone like greeting her on the staircase, um, but I don't know. I, I I don't mind this being a more obvious moment. I think it's important, but yeah. And and I I I still agree. Like I don't think you can just end the movie on his face. I don't think the subtext is clear enough there and it needs to be somewhat clear for that character beat to be something i disagree i think the fact that he's watching singing in the rain and they show like they just straight up show clips from it so that people like oh yeah that's that movie and oh yeah i remember when margot robbie was that character Mm. like i think i think those two things are enough yeah but don't you think they would just feel like he's like mourning margot robbie like he's just remembering her no no I don't think that's I, what it's about. If, if you need it, do a montage of the movie. I, I'm sticking by that. I think I going like forward, that. I think going forward into the future is so corny and like, like that's something that he's not seeing. He's not seeing Avatar in his mind's eye. Only James Cameron did that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody, nobody saw Avatar coming, right? Like, I, I think it's weird. I actually like the idea that he has this moment of like prescience. Um, and like he, I, I genuinely like, like that, audience. this idea that he said, he like, it's like this realization that hits him. He's like, Oh my God, like, this is what is going to happen. I actually like yeah. that as an idea. I just, but wonder, it, I wonder random or out of place to you that we're seeing like, yeah, you know, CGI stuff in a movie set in you know, I don't know the I don't know why you guys are so hung up on the seat that is not what well, no, no, no. it's it's not it's not just the CGI it's just seeing like movie from different eras in a movie set in like the 1920s yeah I thought it was bizarre I don't mind it taking me out a little bit because it's literally the end of the movie it's the very end so I didn't mind it as much um but like and I like I'm I agree the montage is bad I don't like the montage I'm just saying like I don't know. I like, wonder, the concept isn't bad. Is, yeah, is and I wonder, yeah. I don't know, if you have a scene where, like, I don't like, you see Manny, like, is in modern times, and you, like, see him or something, or and he's in a modern movie theater, and he's oh something like that. I know that's dumb. I know it's still dumb, but I'm just saying, like, something else. No, no, it's so funny. I don't know why, but when you said that, like, the first movie that popped into my head was him going to watch The Dark Knight. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, Manny's like, oh, I'm in the future. I'm going to watch this Nolan movie, The yeah. Dark Knight. I don't know. I think we're just going to yeah. go in circles on this one, so I'm calling it now. Um, I'm also going to try and wrap it up at this point. Um, I think I would say that after this movie, Damien Chazelle has still not missed. I think every one of his movies is a banger. 
on a on varying degrees of banger like you know there's more banger and then there's like less banger but i i don't think babylon despite being a uh, a box office bomb i don't think it's a flop i think it's yeah. a banger dude okay. how many times are you gonna say the word banger banger and i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> my god Peter's a simple man he likes simple jokes um, <laughs> I'm two for two right now how do I keep this going um, and then I would also say I would watch this again yeah I would easily I think this is I'm, I like this movie plain and simple I like this movie too final thoughts I like this movie Peter yeah, the movie's good um, yeah I like your I don't like your tone there. But, uh, <laughs> hey, dude, hey, dude, I like parts of this movie. Like, I think some parts of this movie are excellent, really, really good cinema, but I don't like some of the other parts, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Aiden, we have a segment. We sure do. So, if, if you guys have not noticed, the if podcast here, is called <laughs> Predator vs. Movies. And so we've done the movie part. Now it's time for us to do the predator part where we ask the question, would this movie be better if the predator from the movie predator was in this movie? Why are you yelling? (laughs) And I I think, I think the answer is predators in the montage. Boom. Easy. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Actually. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. I was gonna say like Predator is like an extra or like uh, you know Predator in the in the in the dungeon scene we see like a Predator hanging out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think Aiden's nailed it though. Yeah, that's a great I guess, one. I guess you could also see like someone in the Predator costume walking around on set. Yeah, <laughs> like like having a coffee. Yeah, um, that's good. Peter, yeah. we have a segment. <laughs> we have another segment indeed. Um, Predator's picks. What have you guys watched this past week? Okay, uh, I'll go first because Aiden's evacuating. Um, I've seen four movies this week. Oh, I, one has to wait for Aiden to come back. I watched a little movie called Possession from 1981. It's a Polish film. It's very famous. It's a horror film. And it's interesting. I think I liked it. It's a lot. It's like two hours. You gave it's it a got, good review. It's got Sam Neill in it um, of the Jurassic Park movies and other i love sam neil he's great and basically it's a it's a movie that's about divorce by someone who is going through a divorce Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's pretty nuts the characters are acting like it's very surreal like there's this one scene where uh, there's several scenes where the characters just act so bizarrely like like could not be real they act like wild animals or like drunk or high like like literally there's one where a character is like like falling into the walls as he's talking into well while he's talking to the main character and like he's doing weird things with his hand like i'm showing peter right now and like that's literally how he's talking and he's not like on anything you know that's just and it's it's more about like what love and hate has been doing to these people but anyways it's kind of fucked up um what's the horror aspect why why is this scary it's like, um, like not body horror, creature horror. It's creature horror because there's like a creature in there. And it's very, once, once I realized where that was going, I was like, oh, that's so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. And like, there's a lot of like slime and fluids. It's gross. 
Um, I also watched a comedy special called, um, it's Gerard Carmichael's special, Rathaniel. Gerard Carmichael, you might be familiar with. He did, he hosted the Golden Globes, did some pretty funny things there. Uh, Rathaniel was really interesting because it was more, it was more like a live therapy session with jokes. And yet it was like a comedy special and it was directed by Bo Burnham, interesting enough. Um, and it was just him talking about like secrets in his own life and his family. And it was very, like very vulnerable and honest. And yet there were some really good funny moments. And so that was really interesting and something I've like never seen before. So is it a comedy special or is it just a special? It is a comedy special. Okay. Technically. He is a comedian. Uh, I watched this movie called one cut of the dead which is a zombie film sort of, and I can't really talk about it too much without getting into spoilers. But like the idea is that a television crew are trying to film a zombie movie and then it turns like an indie crew and then it turns into a real zombie movie. Oh, like, wow. Like the crew starts turning into zombies and it's one cut, like one take, one single mm-hmm. take. Um, the movie goes on from there in some truly surprising ways. Uh, and I won't, you know, say anything about it. Uh, and that's a, a film from Japan. And so that was interesting. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Uh, but the script is pretty well done. Um, and then the one that I was saving while Aiden was gone, I watched Mithrigan. Yeah. Or M3 again. Yeah. Um, that movie was not that good. Uh, it was, it was, it worked enough. It worked enough. And it kind of knew what it was. I was a little bit like, I was hoping for more, mm. like just the cult kind of like status it's acquired. I was like, oh, that, that's it. Like I wanted more Mithrigan, frankly, yeah. I wanted more of her like killing people and slaying. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah uh, I agree. I wanted more where it's like most of the like, slaying moments are literally in the trailer so you've like yeah you've seen most of it i think this knows exactly what it is though and i think that like no, I, I think i said that yeah you said you were you were wavering on it but okay. um um yeah i thought that this movie was still a lot of fun it wasn't scary um but i thought it was like very fun to watch i thought it was pretty funny um I think that I gave this movie three stars and I think that I was treating if two and a half stars is the most average movie. I think this movie is a little bit above average. I think that like a I, slight I th- amount. Yeah, no, but I, I think that like it's a very standard movie that's just done pretty like it's done well. And I think mm-hmm. that um, like there are some things I really appreciate about it. Um, actually, like like every character like gets like a somewhat decent arc, like a well-realized arc, like. The kid, the kid does, the mom does, and Megan does too, which I, I actually like. Like, Megan is, like, yeah. a proper character. And there's actually one moment of, like, a lot of subtlety that I really love where it's, like, so we have a scene where Megan's, like, will I die? And then she asks that. But then it's not, like, focused on too much, and it's, like, whatever. And then we have a scene, like, not long after where she's just looking out the window, then she sees a butterfly, and then she sees a helicopter, and then she looks back, I was like, oh, that's great. That's a great way to show that struggle. I was like, instead of like some clunk, like in a movie like this, I would generally expect a way clunkier way to communicate that message. So I I really appreciated that. Like that was the moment and you're supposed to just gather from that. Like what, like the idea of natural versus artificial. 
Yeah, for like a like a kind of like a popcorn movie and popcorn like slasher, like this was just getting on like like a, yeah, this was a good movie. Can't say so like I gave it a two point five, but a three I can understand. I feel like maybe that's giving it a, maybe just a bit too much credit because I do think like it's a little stupid. Like there's the the fact that the main character I don't know what her name is doesn't mourn the loss of her sister at all. Sure. Like 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 that's the beginning, right? Like the parents die, and that's her sister, and she doesn't give a fuck. You could have like told me that was her like fifth cousin, and I'd be like, yeah, that tracks. Like that's. Sure. She didn't react very much. Um, I will say really quick, though, I love this kind of movie, and I need more of this kind of movie. This is the kind of movie This is that, your thing, yeah. This is my thing. I love going out to see movies like this. My Letterboxd review is is literally, oh, yeah, this is what I was missing. Give me more. Like, just these, like, not great horror movies. Like, I love horror, and I love just seeing every horror movie that comes out. And so, like, like even the ones that are not great and kind of dumb. So the fact that this was in the dumb category of horror, but it was, like, a lot better than I thought it was going to... Not a lot better, but, like, better than it should be, given what it is. Yeah. I, I really appreciated this movie. And I mean... But, but, I, but I knew at the same time, like, this is not more than a three-star movie. Like, it, it yeah, just isn't. Yeah. Like, it has its moments. Yeah. Like, the, the, mo- the part where she starts dancing is iconic. It's yeah. very funny. <laughs> yeah. And... Is that? I wish there was more of that. Yeah. Yeah, and when she starts singing "Titanium" as the lullaby, <laughs> yeah, so funny. Yeah. I I thought like for sure I was like okay in the end sequence. Spoiler alert, I guess. Pew pew pew. In the end sequence, someone absolutely is going to try to shoot her, and she's made out of titanium, and so she's gonna and she's gonna sing that song again, and it's gonna come back, and it's gonna be like a thing, but then it just didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's the end of my uh, Predator's picks. Aiden, do you want to finish off yours if you have any others? Yeah, sure. So I watched Mithrigan. I also watched this, like, like little underground movie. Not like this again. Just no one's it. No one's really Just heard of it. it. But it's, like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I watched 2001. Was it Star Wars 2, Aiden? I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey <laughs> for the very first time. Because I'm on a bit of a sci-fi kick right now. I think I plan on watching Solaris tonight, actually. Um, oh, which I've never the seen. Recommendation from class? Uh, well, our prof has recommended this movie to me like countless times, like many, okay. many times. So I, it's been a long time coming. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a really good movie. <laughs> it's I was like, yeah, this is a this is really really good. This is clearly very well crafted. Um, I think that it's very clear that a lot of stuff is so inspired by this movie. And I think that's always interesting to see, like when you look and not, not even like the most obvious homages, but just like, like little things like the role AI plays in movies. Like I'm sure that this isn't the first iteration of that, but it feels like, Oh, okay. A lot of things took like kind of modeled after this. Um, I think even in like in alien, you can kind of look at it like that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think, Sorry, what'd you think about the um the the space like space. travel sequence when it's like fifth, six minutes maybe of color changing and him transporting to the final sequence oh. in the other space? Oh, I thought that was great. You liked I, it? Yeah, I loved it. I thought I thought it was like the movie has like a very slow pace uh mm-hmm. overall. Like I didn't mind it up until that no. point. I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, I liked the pace of it. I just think it is a slower paced movie. Um, and I, I liked that it was just like this, 
like transitory sort of experience. I really loved the intercutting of just like pictures of of our main character instead of motion. I don't know if you remember that, but I it like cuts to like stills of him, and I thought that that was a really cool idea of like playing with the idea of time and like that he's kind of going to this place beyond reality. I I actually I did really enjoy that. And funny enough, like the movie that I was comparing this to a lot in my head was Ad Astra, which was a Brad Pitt mm-hmm. movie that came out a couple of years yeah. ago, and I was like. I was like, yeah, Ad Astra like very clearly was trying to emulate <laughs> emulate this movie a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, in terms of other things, I watched. Uh, I actually watched the entire first season season of White Lotus. Um, oh, I'm I'm like on season two. I'm working on that. Yeah, too. Yeah, I'm on season two too. I uh, was not expecting this to be a great show, and I don't really know why. I don't watch that much TV, so maybe like. I'm just kind of skeptical whenever like a TV show gets really popular, but um, this was a really well-written show. I think that uh, there are like some beats maybe I wasn't as sold on, but yeah, I like the characters are like very, very well realized. I think that this, it, the creator of the show clearly had a strong grasp on what he was trying to, trying to do, trying to say. Um, I think the performances are really good. I yeah I, I liked I liked a lot of it. I'm moving on to season two. I don't like how orange it is all yes, the time. Thank like you. everything, yes. every every scene, like no matter where they are or what time yeah. of day it is, it's always orange. And it's like it's, we don't need to do this. It's the foreign filter. Yeah, we're in a different location. I mean, it's Hawaii, so it's technically in the U.S., but yeah. it's like we're in a tropical area, so it's yeah. got to be orange hated it yeah i did not i wasn't a fan of that uh but i i really liked i liked it and i also i thought that like whenever i'm also very skeptical of like whenever a big show is doing like like class commentary but i actually thought it was really good in this show um yeah, uh, yeah. i'm sorry what are you gonna say are you i, I want to comment on white lotus but oh go for you, it okay i have one um, more show but yeah yeah there's i don't know about you but like for me the first season is just like I like I like the commentary. I think it does a more or less a good job of it. There's something clunky about it though. I don't know what it is, and I think it's resolved for season two, where I have not felt that way, and the filter's gone. Yeah. Um, where I I don't know. Like I I wasn't fully sold with it. Such and also like I would just say like, this is nowhere near like the best show I've seen. Like I no. think I think it's several degrees down but i think it's very good good. i think it's like it's good it's it's one of the better shows i've watched this over the past year so like out of 10 like i might give it like a six or maybe like a seven i think a seven's like a you know there's a couple things that i'm like i could not tell you what they are but like i don't love it fully you know Mm. There's something weird about it i i think i wasn't really into it until a couple episodes in and like maybe yeah. like there's a little bit of that. I would probably give this show an eight. Actually, actually, I really liked the writing of this show. Like for the most part, I, I thought it was really good. Like the strong parts of this writing are really are really strong. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about it or be good on that front. Yeah. So the other show that I, I actually I have to watch this show for a class. Um, I was watching the show Murderville with Will Arnett. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I so. It's like it's quite funny, uh, and I I'm enjoying watching it a lot. It's like 
it's like an improv show for those who don't know it's like it's like a murder mystery show where everyone has a script except for the celebrity guest that they're bringing in and the celebrity <laughs> celebrity guest has to like solve the murder mystery um and so like it's pretty funny i i've enjoyed every episode so far it's it's an improv show and so some bits drag like a lot where it's like okay come on come on like i i get the bit and they're like wearing it a little bit but i i still appreciate the show for what it is um and i think that it's uh yeah it's it's been good so that's those are my picks cool yeah i've i've been like intrigued by the concept of murderville but the ratings just aren't good enough to make me be like yeah i should go watch it right now yeah it's it's not like a if you watched it, you would be like, this is my fucking show. But I think you'd get a kick out of it. Yeah. Uh, Peter, do you have any picks? No picks. Did not watch okay. anything. But, <laughs> but, huge but. The Last of Us comes out tomorrow on HBO. Very excited about it. And it's been getting, getting like, incredible reviews. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought it's, like, gonna be good. Uh, I mean, like, HBO is putting it on the Sunday primetime slot. Uh, House of Dragon, Game of Thrones... They, these shows went on that slot. So I know it's going to be good, but the ratings were apparently better than shows like Chernobyl, Game of Thrones, and House of Dragons. So Better than Chernobyl. Yeah. I'll, so. I'll have to see. Oh, I, I think I missed a pick of mine. Did I talk about uh, Lahain last week? No. Oh, I, yeah. I do know that. Don't I watched that film. This is a French film from the 90s, uh, and it's very, very, very good. This is a great movie. Um it's another movie that's talking a lot about class. It's talking about police brutality. Um, and I think it's like, it has such a good style. I was really inspired by the way that scenes are covered. And I think camera movement's really good. Um, I th- yeah. I think there are a lot of great directorial choices here. There are a lot of, there are some moments where it's just like, I don't know why they did that necessarily, but I liked it. Like there's like a, a, you've probably seen this shot on like film Twitter or whatever, but it's like a dolly zoom. That's like, it's near the second third of the movie. And it's just like, when you see it, it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I, I guess you, you could have done that. <laughs> like, it's not a, it's not like the jaws dolly zoom where you're like, I understand exactly why they did this here. Right. Um, but it's something to think about. And I, I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It was a very stylish movie. It was really good. It reminded me a lot of um, do the right thing. And I okay. think that uh, it came out like in a similar era. And I think that uh, I think you'll see that comparison if you watch it too. But yeah, which is another movie I really liked. So um, yeah, it was good. It's been Great on, movie. It's been on my list for a while. Also, just fun tidbit: in The Last of Us, uh, the guy who plays Armand has a like a guest role. Oh yeah, in White Lotus. Yeah. I love Armand. That yeah, was, he's like, great. The highlight, yeah. highlight for me of that season. Wait, the, anyways, wait, wait. You don't know he's, what we're talking about. He's in The Last of Us. Or that what? Got, a guy from White Lotus is in The Last of Us. Armand is the hotel manager, right? Yeah. How do you know that? Okay, he actually does know. I'm shocked. There you go. Peter's sure proving me wrong. Fair enough. He is. He's playing a character named Frank. I'm sure nice. he would know. That's who cool. That is. I don't know who that is. He I don't know not. who that is I'm, either. I'm, I'm familiar double with wrong. This is great. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for our picks. So next week, uh, I think we've been discussing going back. And maybe doing uh, the Banshees of Inna Sharon. It's yep. on Disney Plus, so it's super convenient. Yep. Um, if you like us, go check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Predator V Movies. Um, some of us are on Letterboxd, uh, such as myself at underscore Alex Gordon underscore. Um, I leave reviews. 
Uh, I am 810sunny, that's 810-S-O-N-N-Y. My name is Wombo. I also leave reviews sometimes, and then sometimes I go on long hate rants on movies, and other times I just say a couple funny, goofy little words. I've been shifting into funny, goofy little words because I'm so busy right now that I yeah. could not possibly put in the full <laughs> review. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, if you like this show, leave a review, please. Please, pretty please. Come on, guys. Leave a review. Come on. Let's sing a song about how they should leave a review. A one, a two, two a three. three. Leave a review. <laughs> different lyrics. <laughs> please leave a To leave a review. There you go. That's our leave a review song. Yeah. Um. Obviously, leave a review. Anyways, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm in. And this was Predator vs. Movies. Leave a review. Leave a review. Uh, pew, 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 pew. Ah, 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 ah. Hey. Ooh.